When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is Monday, the 8th of August, 2022, and the king is dead. Long live the king. Hi, everybody. It's time for Morning Combat. I am merely one half of your unbelievably piece-of-shit washed host duo. My name is Luke Thomas. I join you from the capital of Estados Unidos here in Washington, D.C. I mean, could I look like I've been in the trunk of a car the last 48 hours more? I don't think so. But the man who is to my left, uh, the, the right of your screen... He is fresh off of vacaciones. It's Brian Campbell, the King of Connecticut. Hi, BC. Welcome back, buddy. Hey, thank you for welcoming me back, Luke. Um, I'm happy to be here. I was happy to unplug for a week. I know the fans did not like that. I got a little rock lobster here. Uh, quick uh, Pro tip, Luke, don't take a Caribbean cruise in the summer unless you <laughs> want to s- sweat and complain the whole time. But uh, outside of that, good times, great oldies, and... Um, you know, I got the we got the drink package this time for the first time, Luke, to try to see if it's worth it. You know, so I drank a lot, and that's not always like a pretty sight. You know what I mean? What, what does the drink package offer you? Like everywhere you go, you can just have drinks. Well, there's there's tiers to it. There's a mid level package which allows you to drink any. The only thing you get for free drink wise is water, shitty coffee, and like non flavored iced tea. So if you go to the next level, you get. You get good coffee and soda, and then you go to the next level, it's all you can drink except for the top shelf bar. So we, I went full. You know, I went full Monty this time. But uh, all right. I did. See- I broke even. I drank enough to break even. But did I really break even, Luke, or did I lose in the end? That's really what my family and, and my liver are going to have to ask themselves after this. You know I mean? uh, did you see any cool sights? Any, 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 any vacation standouts to you? Uh, I did the Atla- the water park at Atlantis in the Bahamas. Very very famous, Luke. It's 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 legit. It's intense. It's it's great. And uh, and I, I saw a lot. Spent a lot of time in the jazz club, Luke. So I was you know I was doing the old guy thing. It was good. It was good. But uh, Luke, you know, here's the deal. I got the itch the whole week. I love unplugging. Love being with my family. Love making memories. But I'm there thinking, you know, how's Chuck's chemistry with Luke? Is Danny Segura on today? I didn't have internet access for like seven days, Luke. So um, I'm really happy to be back because, you know, I was made for this shit. This is what I do, you know? This, when the this, red light comes on, right? <laughs> Whatever this is, yeah. You know? Uh, well, so. we're happy to have you back. Certainly there is uh, no one quite like you, for better or for worse. So we're excited for Monday's show here. 
Uh, let's see. On the docket today, what do we have, BC? We have the UFC fights from the weekend. We have some of the PFL fights from Friday. We have some boxing results. Plus, we hadn't done it all last week, any of the stuff where you're related to it, which, by the way, includes fan subs and includes dead wrong, so it actually affects the whole week. But wow. today, we'll get to have you seen this shit. Hey, yeah, I know. correct me if I'm wrong. I, I skimmed your work in, in my absence, and obviously, I shout out Chuck Mindenhall. Uh, Danny Segura. Uh, do you have anybody else on last week? Oh, Rashad Evans, who was Rashad, fantastic. Yeah. You made up a couple new segments. You had fun. You reached out a little. You stretched, Luke, right? Yeah, well, we you know we had to get creative in the absence of the old B-sizzle, so we did. And uh, some of it worked, some of it didn't, but maybe some stuff we can bring back. The good okay. fan, bad fan thing seemed to be uh, seemed to be a winner. People seemed to like that one, so All we're right. bring that All one right. back. I, li- I look forward to touching it one day. And, oh, Luke, tell the people this week, bro, we're back. Yes, so obviously BC and I are doing the show from our homes today, but we are headed to the studios tomorrow. Now, of course, there is no live MK show tomorrow, but we're going to put a bunch of stuff in the tank. There will be a live MK show Wednesday from the studios, and then more content we're going to record after the show as well. So we're going to put a bunch of stuff in the, uh, in, the, in the pot, so to speak, so we can get a good MK stew for the month of August. Oh, I love it. And, and Luke, uh, happy 43rd birthday to you last Friday. Mm. I... Uh, I didn't tell the world about it. You know, I'm not. You know what? I'm really not good at Luke. I'm good at receiving Love. the happy birthdays on Facebook. I'm never good about like giving. Like you know, I'm I'm, I'm really an old selfish piece of shit. Apparently, but uh, I will say, Luke, uh, thank you for for making it another year. And uh, how, did you do anything fun? How you doing? I told my wife specifically that I'm a little bit burned out. To be perfectly honest with you, like just burned out in every way. Burned out professionally. Burned out personally. I just need a break, which I have one coming up here, but. I just told her I wanted something very simple. I didn't want to do a whole lot. I, I, um, I kept it very, very easy. So she found me a place in the city that serves De- Detroit-style pizza. Do you know Detroit-style? Is that... <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll hold that joke back. We would have got shut down for that. No, Luke, I don't know what Detroit-style pizza Detroit is. Detroit-style is kind of like deep dish in the sense that it's not thin crust, but it doesn't. they don't serve it in a pot like it's you know pizza lasagna. They serve it in squares, chunks of squares like that. So it's like thick crust squares. Uh, she took me to a place in D.C. that specializes in them, and it was, I mean, off the charts amazing. Wow. And then, right. um, and, then, uh, and then we watched Predator, the new Predator sequel, Prey, which was very good. I really enjoyed that. And that was it, dude. I didn't want any. I, she got me a cake, and she got me some gifts and stuff like that. But, like, I, did, I wasn't in the celebratory mood, to be quite candid with you. So, um, I yeah, don't want to see your, your heart break so slowly like this, Luke. Do you think a week off will fix this? I mean, are you hurting inside? What's going on? Did you Yeah, miss I just me? need a break, dude. I've had a lot of stuff going on that I've never even talked to you about or even the audience. It's fine. <laughs> like, most of it is getting solved, but, like, I need a break. I need a break. So, um, but, yeah, that's it. That's it. I kept it real close. Besides, I didn't want a big celebration if we're going on vacation <laughs> here pretty soon to then, like, you know continue the party or something i wanted something very small right. very simple maybe it. i'll offline yeah i was going to turn this into a you know a little bit of therapy here luke because i care and i know our audience does but maybe we'll you know like i'm learning from this jeter doc luke you you got to keep some things private right that's right you got to keep yeah. some things private uh, hey, hey okay. speaking of docs brother and i'm not asking you about your physician or whether you did sign up for that uh vasectomy that's your your business if you did i don't know <laughs> um did you see the uh woodstock 99 netflix stock i did i did act i saw it well i saw two-thirds of it i didn't see the last third of it but, but it was a shit show i did i remember where i was when that went down i was actually oh, on a marine yeah. corps base at the time in 29 palms california and we had Libo that weekend, so we went out into Palm Springs, California, 
and you know, in between bouts of drinking beer out of our tub and whatever the fuck else we were doing, I caught a little bit of it on MTV. That was the the uh, that three day stretch. I turned 25, 21, Excuse me, Luke. So that was a very memorable weekend for me. Oof. And uh, so uh, yeah, I, I mean, dude, I there are people, there are listeners on our show, viewers that want us to do like a deep dive MK homework assignment on this doc. But I, I'll just say this, like. It was a time capsule. I felt like I was back there, Luke. I felt like I'm watching people on the screen that I knew. I'm like, oh, I know a version of that guy, that girl. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah, we really were. That Our generation sucked, Luke, right? We're yeah, the we worst. We were terrible yeah. pieces of shit. <laughs> also, if you don't remember, I remember Woodstock 94. I was about 13 years old when that came out. So I remember that. we had this, My brother and I got the soundtrack for it. A very different vibe than Woodstock yes. 99. Very Absolutely. different. A lot less rapey, unfortunately. Fortunately, Luke. Fortunately, okay. <laughs> they you also didn't hold it on a uh, on a decommissioned military base either. So yeah. there was that. Um, all right, BC. Let's remind everyone: Showtime is the label that pays. You had missed the Danny Garcia fight. By the way, I don't know if you had a chance to watch it in just a second here, but uh, Showtime.com. If you want to try Showtime, you can get it. Thirty day free trial. Keep it. Otherwise, you can send it back. No charge. No harm. No foul. Did you get a chance to see the Danny Garcia fight? Not yet. I'm slowly catching up. Uh, Pena Nunes 2 today, Luke, okay? I'm okay. going to catch that flick. So hopefully it's not as... Maybe it'll be as good as Thor Love and Thunder. We'll find out, Luke. Okay? It's better It's better than Thor Love and Thunder. It's a lot okay. better. Okay. Uh, I mean, you know... Oh, hey, one more... Can I waste your time one more time, Luke? Please. I rewatched. Remember I saw it in the theater when it came out. I rewatched Dune yesterday Dune. with my okay. son. All right. Dude, that's a freaking classic. I know that's it won good. six Academy Awards for, like... Uh, the visuals, the sound, the adapted screenplay. I know it was nominated for Best Picture. Luke, I'm going to stand by that flick. I think it's better than 65% of the Star Wars movies that are produced. It's it's Rogue One level gritty, and it's just a cinematic classic. I know it's long and the plot is a little iffy, but visually, Luke, it's it's a it's a face f, right? It's like yeah. a, you know, it's it's yeah. Dude, can I give you a quick recommendation of something that blew my fucking mind over the weekend? Okay. I saw this movie. Have you heard of the new Ron Howard movie called 13 Lives? Uh, just the title, not the premise. What do we got okay, here? Okay, so there's a, apparently there's a documentary about this same story, and the documentary is better than the movie. I have not seen the documentary, but everyone out there was screaming to me that the documentary is better. Fine. I've not seen it. I can't weigh in on it, but I, I tell you, I have seen the movie. Do you remember a few years ago, it was a worldwide international story when that uh, the, the young boys, the Thai soccer team, got trapped in the cave? and they had to be extracted through cave diving for long stretches of time. Do you remember yeah. this story? It was, like, it was like baby Jessica, just on a global scale. Right, okay. I followed that story in real time, and I remember them getting them all out and being like super impressed by it and how difficult and daunting the challenge <clears throat> was. Dude, I'm not going to ruin it for you, even though it's a true story. You need to see this movie, because the way they get those kids out, and by the way, one of them was a coach as well, so there was at least one adult male. The way they get them out, I'm just going to put it to you this way. They had to go through seven and a half hours of cave diving. And when I say cave diving, bro, I don't mean like big caves. I mean like you can barely squeeze through it. Only the most experienced pro could ever handle it. And you're like, well, if, so you if don't it's mean seven and a half hours of pros, how could the kids do it? Right. You should yeah. see how they get these kids out. It is fucking insane. I could never describe it to you and for it to make sense. You have wow. to see it, BC. So it's it's a different ending than that soccer film Alive, where those South Americans ate, ate each other. Each other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, Luke. Which wow. I think was also wasn't that also based on a true story? I think that's vaguely. Oh, funny. oh, hell yeah! I mean, yeah. look, if if I if I'm the only reason left that you can live, 
Dude, you can eat the shit out of me, Luke. I will yeah, I, I will put that on my donor card that I will I'll donate to you whatever ass flesh I have. Okay, Luke? Uh, okay, fine, which I might use for tattooing, but I'm definitely not eating your liver with fava beans. That thing is full of gross uh <laughs> Uh, uh, terrible shit. So yeah. anyway, thirteen lives. I think it's on um, like uh, Amazon Prime or something like that, dude. You <sighs> must must see it. It will blow your fucking mind. It is crazy. See, when you said cave diving, I thought of um, the day after the senior prom. We went to uh, Riverside, which is really Six Flags now, and Agawam, Mass. Shout out to Phil McKagan. And I watched a guy uh, spelunk. Uh, get to third base at a at a picnic table, Luke, right in the open in front of families and stuff. I was like, maybe cave diving, not really, uh, not really a public activity. You know, yeah, this I mean? is a different. Yeah. This is a different kind of spelunking. Yeah, um, I'll never uh, forget that. So though, you, you saw the uh, the ad there for our merch store, MorningCombat.store. You can go check that out there as well. All yeah, I'm kinds wearing of new it. Merch. I'm, I'm wearing the vinyl intercourse. All right. There you go. Very good. Very good. <clears throat> all right, BC. Let's get this show on the road though, because we haven't done it in a while. You're back. If you're ready, I'm ready. Let's do this, yes? Oh, yeah. Oh, please watch our Uriah Faber interview, um, Room Service Diaries, Luke. I hear it's great. Yes. Also, I forgot this because I have been. I was I was not good about promoting this last week. I don't want to make the same mistake this week. Uh, vote for us. World MMA Awards. Vote for us now. Throw the There he is. There's the QR code on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening on your favorite platform on audio, it's worldmmaawards, plural, dot com slash nominees. Worldmmaawards dot com slash nominees. So nominees and awards are plural. Go in there, give us a vote. It would be hugely beneficial for us for you to do that. You did it last time. To go back to back, BC, would be something pretty pretty historic. Bach to Bach, Jock. Yes, Luke, let's do it. I mean, I said it in the in the doc. I said, we're coming back and we're winning this thing. Okay, I Pat Riley'd this shit, all right? You did. You really did. You really did. Okay. It's uh, up to the right. fans. It's not, it's not me. I, I put out a great show every day, Luke. It's up to the fans. It's up to the fans. I agree. All right, let's get this show on the road here if we can. Let's start with UFC Fight Night, which was not a great card, although this is kind of funny. This is always the central tension of these cards. Doesn't have big names. Doesn't have matchups that necessarily pull you. Obviously, the main and co-main were pretty good. And you got finishes all the way up and down. Only the second event in the modern era to ever do that. The other one, of course, was when Bisping fought Rockhold in Australia. But getting back to this one, it was at the Apex, of course. In your main event, BC, Jamal Hill stopping Tiago Santos in the fourth round at 231. Easily his biggest victory to date. He wants some big names in the division. Now, this was his best win, certainly by name, and the first time he had gone to the fourth round. Is he ready, in your mind, for the top of that division now? When I say top, I mean, let's say top five or six. Top five, let's say. Yeah, here's what's interesting. When he called out Jan Blahovich afterwards, I was like, you know, three in a row and you just stop Maheda, who, you know, I know he got subbed by Glover in a fight where he had big success, but like, you know, you don't really see Maheda get knocked out. Yeah, maybe he, maybe that is the only place to go now to the top. Three fight win streak, as you mentioned, really bounced back great from the Anthony Smith loss. But I thought, Luke, you know, I didn't think of Jamal Hill on this level coming in. I, even if, even if you told me he could win this fight and I certainly could see the avenues where that was possible. But Luke, to me, it's the way he won it. He went to, he you know he went to the deep end of the pool. He swam. This was a grimy, gritty, at times recklessly spectacular fight. And he went in there and did the deed against a a guy who, you know, based on recent history in terms of success, certainly going in the other direction following that surgery after the John Jones close fight. But the ultimate elite gatekeeper right now in Maheta. I mean, he could have knocked out Hill 
with a number of these counter-strikes that he landed typically under duress because this fight had periods of just incredible batshit craziness. But Luke, to see him take that, to land the more technical strikes, to break him down the way he did, to overcome the wrestling disadvantage, do I think he's ready? Meaning, do I think he can beat Blahovich or Ankalaev or the champ or Glover? Uh, you know, no. Uh, he's still going to have to convince me more. But does he belong in that group? Does he deserve this chance to face those guys? Luke, I think after this victory, yes. And of course you can make that argument based on the amount of defeats recently, what that says about Tiago Santos. And Bill Parcells is always going to be undefeated in saying you are what your record says you are. So that's why we all understand Mahetta's ready to kick that door in and go the other direction. But he is still stubborn as shit to make you have to earn it. And normally that earning it means outpoint him. No, Jamal Hill didn't do that, Luke. He went in there with him. I, I'm impressed as shit that he came out the other end looking the way he did and he got this win. He did make a leap forward. This is a back, it almost sounds like a backhanded compliment to then say, well, do I believe he wins at the next level? No, I don't yet. But I'm on this journey with him now. He has my attention. This was the win he needed to get to get that attention. He's got it, Luke. You can't take that away from him. No, you can't. I, I think I largely agree with your analysis. I, I thought he was going to win this one, but I thought he was going to win this one in part, BC, because I, I kind of had an impression that Tiago Santos was going to turn in a lifeless performance. Not true. He turned in, you know, by Tiago Santos's more recent standards anyway, he turned in a pretty, pretty commendable performance. He was busy with the leg kicks in that third round. He was wearing on him with the, uh, with the you know, wrestling attacks and kind of taking his back and holding him down and making them work. Like, he was getting outstruck for sure, especially as he got into closer, closer range in the way that Jam and Jamal Hill, by the way, I want to talk about his boxing because it's just phenomenal. But, you know, Thiago Santos, we'll talk about him in just a minute, but he turned in a pretty decent performance, all things considered. And so Jamal Hill beat that guy. To me, that was actually pretty impressive. I will say on the good thing, on the good side about Jamal Hill, and I'm, I'm with you. Like, to me, you had coming into this fight, uh, BC, Santos was ranked six, Smith was ranked five. Now, uh, Smith just had a terrible injury that, you know, he's going to, who knows how long he's going to be out for that and what that's going to mean for his fighting future and everything. So if they put Hill in that five, six, seven range, I don't really mind that, which would put him in company with Paul Craig, who has a win over him. Uzdemir and Reyes, right? That that see those, those fights seem to make sense to me. On the good side, dude, he's a southpaw. For a southpaw, like a guys who stand southpaw in MMA, he's got one of the most educated right hands in the business. Yeah. His right hook is, I mean, uh, what a weapon that thing is. He uses it in all kinds of ways, and it is devastating. His accuracy is good. His hand speed is good. His timing is good. By the way, Jamal Hill, one of the best in the sport at trying to corner guys, and then when they were resisting too much, he'll hold position and let them walk to him, and then he drills them walking in. He does it all the time to all of his opponents, and they never seem to pick up on it. He's very, very crafty. My one hint of reservation, and it's something I've been talking about with a lot of good, really good fighters, the, the guys who can get away with this, there's like two or three you could even mention. Which is to say, here's my reservation about Jamal Hill. He had an awesome quote at the end of his post-fight speech where he said, you know, you guys are keep talking about experience, but you've never experienced anything like me. And I've, you know, I've seen, I'm paraphrasing, I've seen your kind, you know, many, many times before, something like that, which was a nice little way to stick it to him because this was only his 12th or so fight. But here is my concern for him. It's not his upside. His upside seems to be high. 
But the next step, I think, is a little bit unclear to me because his A game, his southpaw boxing slash kickboxing game, it's ready to go. He can beat with that game. If someone accommodated him and fought him on those terms, he could beat anyone in that division. He could beat Yuri in this division. He could beat Glover. He could beat Jan, right? He could. Not guaranteeing it, but it's good enough to beat those guys. The problem is his B game appears to me to be strictly defensive, right? So these guys are developing games where they're really, really good at it, and then they're just kind of ironing out the defense on all the other parts of their game. I think that will only take you so far unless your A game is so dominant, no one can stop it. And I always go back to the same example like Habib, his sort of wrestling and grappling game. It was so dominant, he didn't need much of a striking game. But I don't see Jamal Hill on the Habib kind of over the division level. To me, he's going to need more things. And while he was able, while he showed good takedown defense, good scrambling, and good defensive wrestling, there was really no offensive component to it. And to me, you are eventually going to have a problem if that is the case. So while I thought there was a lot to take home that I thought was great, and in particular, he has some of the very best boxing at 205. And I do think he deserves to bump up from 10 to somewhere between 5 and 7 in the rankings. This was legit. I do think that next step, though, those top five guys, particularly your Rakiches, your Ankalaevs, maybe even your Tasheras, they're going to pose a potential problem with the rest of the game <clears throat> that isn't suited to be offensive, strictly yeah. defensive. No, you nailed, you nailed the exact reason why I still have cause on the next level. Now... About this level, you nailed a lot about his boxing. I think, obviously, just look at the toughness and the ability to take big shots and come back. He passed a big test. He went deep into the fight. Another pass. I think my the thing I take away the biggest is his poise because there were certain sequences that were out of control because that's what Maheta does. Maheta's one of the ultimate, let me find out, let me drag you right into the, the fight-or-flight scenario. And Hill got dragged into that, but he didn't stay there. You know what I mean? He was poised, and he didn't go into a shell because of it, and he also didn't let his shit go too far and get get tagged. So a lot to like about it, but still a lot more we have to see. And the top of this division, for what it lacks in star power at the moment, there's a core. There's a common core group of guys that are freaking hammers. So, Luke, you know the fight I want for him? Because Mm. I do think we have a little bit, rightfully so, we do have a little bit of a bottleneck. Like, for example, if it's Prohotska Glover 2 next, which is very possible... And then it's Blahovich Ankalaev, which is very possible. Obviously, you got Rakic hanging around there, and I do realize that Anthony Smith beat Jamal Hill, so there's always a potential there for a rematch. But, Luke, how about Dominic Reyes, who's ranked number seven at the moment? How about that? I know it's one more step sort of in the other direction, but Reyes is still young enough where I'm not sure we've seen his last stand, Luke. I don't think we have. Well, I mean, it, 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 while, that, that small, while that decline was, was, was sudden, Dom Reyes eventually is going to come back and be Dom Reyes again, I think. Isn't that a perfect matchup for where they are right now, Luke, to, to, to find out who really is, where they belong in the rankings? I like that one. I think because Reyes can push a pace and mix things up, that would be interesting. I mean, it the doesn't answer that... your, your wrestling questions necessarily, Luke, but you can't always pick and choose matchmaking to answer those, you know? Fair enough. The Paul Craig one is interesting, too, because you've watched the first, the first Paul Craig fight, which I think was like 2019, 2018, something, I think 2019. Um, you know, Craig made it look kind of easy. And so I really wonder how much of his, his of his game has developed since then where that wouldn't necessarily be the case. Like, Uzdemir got it done, but he kind of struggled a little bit down the stretch to get it done. I, I, I'd be curious to see a rematch there. But on the other side, 
the Reyes side. Yeah, any of those. The Uzdemir fight would be good, too, although he's coming up with a All right, yeah, let me dead wrong myself. For some reason, I keep referencing this Jamal Hill loss to Anthony Smith. Obviously, it's the Paul Craig one that, that is sticking out yes. the last time I saw him lose. He got submitted, that, so, he got submitted with an armbar, yeah. So let me dead wrong myself right now. They didn't fight, right, Luke, him and Anthony Smith? So that's no, also a potential. That's also a potential fight, and it, wouldn't that fight better answer the questions then? Yeah, but Smith just got that really terrible injury at UFC 277, so he's going to be out for a while. Good point. Whereas I think Hall's if I'm if, if excuse me Hill if I'm Hill I'm going to want to stay busy. I think if I if I'm him I want to squeeze in one more fight into 2020. Really begin to capitalize on this momentum that he's got. Really begin to push. Yeah, you can see here against Paul Craig he got his elbow dislocated. Kept fighting and then eventually the ref real the ref realized that it was completely fucked and they had to let it go. This is, to me, why. It's like he was very defensive against Tiago Santos, which is by itself not a problem, and then getting submitted by Paul Craig. It's like, dude, how good is this kid striking? Very good. He's very, very good at that. But the other parts of his game, for me to really believe he can contend for a title, dude, Glover Teixeira, I mean, whatever else you want to say about him, how old he is and how shop-worn he is, my man has good takedowns. He knows how to find the clinch, and on top, he will pass your fucking guard. He will do it, and he will pound on you from mount. Like, that is a real serious threat that he has to contend with. Ankalaev can do it, too. So, you know, I just don't know if he's ready for that, given what I've seen. But any kind of test short of that in that space you're describing, I'd be happy with any of them. Okay. And don't forget that Jamal Hill, Luke, is uh, apparently the baller of UFC fighters. Because every time, you know, I see a great fighter, I'm like, I wonder if he could dunk. We, fe- we have footage of Jamal Hill raining threes in that D.C., Bilal Muhammad, oh, Shmo. Las Vegas shootout that they had. Apparently, Jamal Hill is the baller of the UFC. And I guess I could see that. You see the athleticism, Luke, and the confidence. I could see that guy being a, uh, you know, shoot over double teams and make it type of guy, Luke, you know? Yeah, uh, I can understand that as well. All right, let's talk about quickly, though, staying on the main event. Santos, one in five in his last six. Now, as I mentioned, BC, he did show some life in this one. I actually thought he was really (sighs) trying to get out there and to the best of his ability win it. He didn't, though. It's still going poorly for him. W- why? And is this is this the end? What, what do you what What does this say about Tiago Santos and where we go from here? It's it's a tough. It's always a difficult conversation, Luke, because you know we're honest on this show. He's one of my favorite fighters, Luke. I love the shit out of Maheta. Okay. I mean, he's either, you know, knocking down or knocking up many of your famous UFC fighters. He's got a career highlight reel that's so damn entertaining. But, Luke, he poured it all out in his one big moment against John Jones with two legitimate knee injuries and still fought like a maniac and some people thought, you know, maybe even deserved it. We always questioned how much the, the long layoff in a damaging double surgery at that age, what it was going to do to his ceiling. You know, there was a legitimate question, would he ever get back to this point? But even within that gray area, there's still levels to that because he got back to a good point when he dropped Glover early and looked like he was on his way to beating him. We've seen these flashes of the old of the old man. Yeah, Luke, he's still a way better fighter than his recent record indicates. There's no question about that. He's not a liability to himself. He would beat many top 10 guys on a given night. But we are consistently seeing, going back to the are, you are what your record says you are sort of conversation, he's no longer elite. He can be a, an equivalent of an elite test if you get in there and you catch one from him, but he's certainly no longer elite. But Luke, you know, we'll probably have the same conversation about Sam Alvey later. There does come a point where there's a limit on the amount of high-level losses you're sort of allowed to take and keep your job. Um, by no means, I think, are you and I trying to put the picture out there that he's washed or that he's, you know, 
you you should get rid of him. No, like nothing. He still can beat so many guys. But there's something missing, Luke, and it may just be the combination of of age, the grind, and the effects of that knee surgery. Now, look, Luke, he came pretty damn close on a couple of high kicks. He's always going to be that type of guy who can spring out of nowhere. But he's no longer that type of guy where that threat is there every second of every minute of every round. Uh, you know what I'm saying, Luke? So I, I commend him for the, the attempts at wrestling to try to almost take a cue from Glover and add longevity to your game. He's only 38, but he is 38, and he has been through a lot of big-time, heavy damage back-and-forth fights. I think you sort of just leave him alone, Luke. He is who he is now, a, a really tough out and a big name that you can get on your resume. Um I'd like to see him bounce back with a win here, kind of like what he did against Johnny Walker to, to, to stem off some of the bleeding in the early part of this. It's very possible, but I don't know what you're looking to get me to say because he's not at that area yet where I'm ready to say those things. And I love this two guy too much to see him go, Luke. He makes fun-ass freaking fights. And looking back, I respect the shit out of him taking that jug against Jones and just saying, whether I walk again or not, this is my moment. Let's go for it. I think it was worth the risk, Luke. And right now he's a second-tier version of himself. He's never getting back to first tier. But that run in first class, that was good, Luke. We had a good run. He came that close. He came that freaking close. I mean, partly you can just make an argument about who he's fighting now because the last win streak he was on, this, it's amazing to think about that he beat Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland is now at welterweight, and this dude is firmly at 205, but they met him at middleweight at, in 2018. Eric Anders, Jimmy Manawa, and Jan Blachowicz, which who he stopped in the third round of that contest. In fact, that was the one that got him the John Jones title shot. But here's who he's lost to. John Jones, Glover Deshera, Alexander Rakic, Magomed Ankalaev, and now Jamal Hill. So what does it tell us about him? At 38, with extensive knee surgeries, I don't think he can beat top guys anymore. Now, can he beat guys maybe inside the top 10 to 15, 11 to 15 space? Maybe. Maybe that's actually doable. We'll have to see. But these guys inside the top five, right outside of it, like that top five bubble, depending on where you want to put Jamal Hill, yeah, it's pretty clear he can't win these fights anymore. And to your point, whether it's a combination of age and damage and knee surgery and change in fight style and all kinds of stuff, hard to say exactly to pinpoint one singular thing. But in combination, the effect is pretty clear. He can't beat these top guys at this age anymore. At least not right now, unless something John changes. No. They need, to, they need to change who he is fighting if he wants to find a way to win. I mean, look, how did Shogun have... Uh, you look at Shogun's you know, last six, seven fights, Luke, there was a big win streak in there because he's still... Now, look, he's not, that's not a direct comparison here, but he was still at a point where he could beat those guys ranked 10 to 15. And he can expose them. Yeah, he had to take sometimes sick damage, even in big wins, to get there. But yeah, Maheta should be fighting the guys outside of the top 10 who are looking to jump in. That's the level where he's at. He still does carry a celebrity name to some degree, especially as a potential opponent. And he can put him in the main event, in my opinion, even with those losses. But that guy's not coming through the door anymore. But I don't, as I summed up, I don't think there's anything really negative we could say, Luke. He went for it. But... Things end. Things come to a close. I mean, is there an adjustment to his style? Is there a hybrid Glover 2.0 old guy leaning on the skills that he may have never really worked on so strong to begin with? Do you see any type of way he can slow this fade down, Luke? I could see maybe getting busier with volume. Um, because if you just look at his, his ground game, it's just a little too... It just doesn't have the neat and uh, tight control you need in the way that Glover does. Glover's got a really slick passing game. It's very efficient. It's very balanced. You know, 
Mahetta doesn't really have that. Um, he does have again. He does have really good punching power, but he has really good uh, kickboxing game. I think getting busier at kickboxing range and really softening these guys up might be the way. But dude, this is the other part about it. Like after all the wars he's been through, after all the damage he's taken, after all the shit his knees have suffered, you know, like you're asking how much can he get back or change to? I, uh, the, the answer may not be that much. Like it's a lot to ask of someone to go through what he's been through psychologically and physically. And then just be like, oh, let's switch gears and do something differently. Yes, it's commendable, beyond commendable, that a guy like Orlovsky was able to figure something out like that. But, dude, he's the exception to the rule. Very yeah. much the exception to the rule. It may not just be – I do think dialing back the quality of opponent is now very much warranted at this point. So let's see what happens then. But if he loses to those guys, then you just have bigger issues in play. That's it. Do you think he can dunk a basketball, Luke? I bet you he windmills. Uh, certainly pre-knee surgery, I bet he could. Okay. Certainly okay. pre-knee surgery. Now, I don't know. We'll have to Did see. you know that 10 years ago he was stopped by Vicente Luque at middleweight? That's crazy. That's I mean, crazy, right? I read that crazy. this morning. I was like, what? <laughs> really? Yeah, that's, Did, ins that's fucking insane. I mean, All it's right. not quite BJ Penn versus uh, Machida, but it's, it's out there, Luke. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's go to point number two. In the UFC's co-main event, I mean, what do you want to say about Jeff Neal? Easily. Easily, easily, I would say the biggest name he's ever beaten, number one. And I'm going to say it's the best he's ever looked to me. He looked phenomenal. BC, you saw this fight. Tell me if you disagree with my framing of it. And more to the point, just how significant is this win? Hugely significant because of that two-fight losing streak. And the period of where it came where he was showing huge signs of looking to be a guy who's going to make a leap into the top five and potentially do some damage. To remind people, decision went over Bilal and then stopping Nico Price and Mike Perry. Now, not, you know, necessarily world beaters, but it, he was at a point, Luke, where I think he's recovered now and he is that guy again. And in between, it wasn't just the two defeats, Luke. It was trouble with the law outside the ring. It was, you know, a long stretch during the pandemic. He had to take on other full-time jobs to try to make ends meet. I mean, he's been through it where it could have fallen apart for good. It seems to be back where it needs to be because Luke, as always, was not going to make this easy. He was going to give you an elite-level, you know, chin and ability to take damage and still try to win the fight. So, Luke, I mean, I almost, do you get a little, like, Johnny Hendricks vibes from him at times, too? I mean, his game, especially on the feed, is is violent. It it it's, Maybe he's not as technical in terms of, of getting to your chin with that big left hand like Johnny would do, and maybe he's not the same wrestler. You can tell me if I'm wrong on that. But in terms of being able to land the type of violence that can end a fight, you do that against Luke at this point? Not too far removed from that win streak he had? Dude, yeah, you're back. You are exactly where you were before things fell apart, Luke. And I was happy to see that because this guy's got something in there, and I want to see him have a chance to show it to us. It's funny you bring that up. So what was one of the big hallmarks of this win by Jeff Neal? It was doubling up or tripling up or you know going beyond that with same-side attacks. He would go left to the body, left over the top, or all those uppercuts from the same side. He was doubling up and tripling up attacks with the same side. Hendricks used to do that better than almost anybody. In fact, I would say it's one of the signatures of his striking. He would double and triple up from the same left side all the time. Now, I don't know if that's exactly what you're spotlighting. I think more you're talking about just kind of the way in which he approaches and, 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 the, and the result that it had. Fair enough. I see some of those similarities too. But actually, if I was going to pinpoint someone, you know, the generation before this new generation of Walter Waits, who struck like him on the feet, it would in fact be Johnny Hendricks. It's actually, a, it's actually 
kind of crazy you brought that up, BC, because I think it's entirely apt. Dude, his yeah, boxing, yeah. dude, his boxing in this fight, I am starting to see guys who have, again, I am not going to play this stupid-ass game where I'm like, oh, give them boxing gloves and they can go win world titles. That's not what, that's not going to fucking happen for any number of reasons. But Oh, wait, wait, I, got, I just got off the cruise ship. Did Jake Paul fight Luke? Did I miss it? Yeah, it was great. It was great. Go check it out on YouTube. It was amazing. Okay. Uh, it was really fun. I'm glad we waited for it. Um, but what I was going to say was the level of improvement where he is doubling and tripling up on the same side. And by the way, I want to point this out. Guys who can slip, I talk about all the time. Slipping is really important. And the guys who can put slipping and offense together. I can slip, there's my defense. And through it, I have offense that I can come over the top with. He has that as well. Dude, he was putting strikes on, on angles on Luke a, around the gloves, in between it, up the middle as the guy was getting too linear. Dude, he dissected. He dissected Luke in the most vicious way you probably could with a boxing game. Even after Luke, by, by the way, staged a little bit of a rally, so to speak, kind of, kind of centered the boat. I'll say in the in the in the oh, choppy yeah. seas. He got in respect the, back with a couple yeah. of those counters. He it in was like, oh shit, yeah. In that okay. second round, but then he got out there in that third round, dude. This was, I think you said it exactly right, BC. He was on a track, and then shit got derailed, dude. This was him. Fucking big John Henry pulling it back onto the track and setting that thing in motion. I am very, very much back on the Jeff Neal bandwagon, so to speak, in terms of what he can do. And I know his team's going to be like, oh, we were always on it. Great. We don't know all the inside stories. We don't know what the truth is. We only know what we can see in the cage. And there was some things that were signs of concern. This was him very much getting back to where he should be. And I was super impressed by him. Loved it, and I, and you know, and 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 I like his hardworking personality. So that was good to see too. Luke at five eleven. Do you think he dunks spectacularly? See at five eleven. I don't know what kind of ups he has. I mean, he's obviously a good athlete, right? Does he have ups though? That's a different. That's Dude, a different I, why thing. do why are we not doing an all star game dunk contest at International Fight Week? Please, okay. Anyway, Luke, my real question to you is. What do you do with him? Where you put him? I mean, the, you know, this isn't the same guy that lost to to Thompson and 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 got the split decision went over Ponzinibbio last time out to kind of keep things going in the direction. I know we got you know Brady going to be tied up here soon in a big fight. Where where Jeff Neal at thirteen? Where do you see him going from here? Well, see, this is the interesting part. This was a big risk for Luke, and God bless Luke. God bless these fighters, man. I don't know how much people really appreciate it. Guys who are willing to take opponents whose ability far outstrips their ranking. Luke was sitting at six heading into this fight. And he so he fought a guy at 13. Not seven, not eight, not nine, not even ten. Thirteen he took this fight. So Neil is going to bump up probably in that seven to ten space. Which would put him around Stephen Thompson who kind of beat him thoroughly in one of the first two consecutive losses that he had. Jorge Masvidal, I don't know if Jorge Masvidal is going to want in a Jeff Neal kind of opponent. Very tough, not much upside in terms of name value. Brady is sitting at 9, so he's busy with Bilal. We'll see what happens there. 10 is Shavkat Rachmanov. That's an interesting one. Jeff Neal versus Shavkat Rachmanov. How do you like that? Well, uh, dude, that's... Damn. I mean, rankings-wise, it would make a lot of sense, but... It's like you know, well, well, come meet the wood chipper. You know what I mean? It's like it's yeah. yeah um, I I am. I don't want to forget that he did make a ballsy call out. Look, he called out Gilbert Burns after it. I don't know if you saw that. If you had the, the sound down, when he said that, I 
feel, he, he got me right in the feel spot, Luke. I mean, I was just like, oh, my God. The thing God. is, though, Burns oh, has God. been angling. And you understand it, dude. Burns has been angling for the the Masvidal fight, which, by the way, oh, he wants like, money. He wants money. He wants he wants to be it. in the in the in the Chandler level of wars now, Luke. He wants but to see. Cash this out. is why the Rachmanov fight makes more sense. Rachmanov is all too happy to take the challenge, right? But if you're Burns, do you want to fight tough ass Jeff Neal who doesn't have a super big name? No. Or do you want to fight a guy who's also tough but maybe has fight a Jorge. much bigger name? You know. You want to fight Jorge, dude. That's what you want to do. If you're exactly. Jorge. So that's why I think it's like maybe they run the Wonder Boy fight back. Maybe. But I tend to think that Wonderboy doesn't want that fucking fight either. I, I, the Rachmanov one, Michael Chiesa is another one you could do, but I, I, I tend to think that's even going too low. Yeah, dude, that, I, I think I, I, that Rachmanov fight is looking pretty fun, potentially. And tough as yeah. shit, by the way. Yeah, yeah, real tough, yeah. Uh, okay, so in terms of where we go here with Vicente Luque, this is a guy, BC, he's only, I think, 31. I'll double check here. He keeps bumping up to the top, bumping up to the top, bumping up to the top, and then falling short and this was the first time i think he'd ever been stopped with strikes in the ufc this is a bit of a bad loss and he you know he was in the back foot i mean that first round was 10-8 really to be honest with you i don't know how the judges exactly had it but it should have been a 10-8 where does he go from here where is his stock at this point okay again I, i'm the king of backhanded compliments that's why all fighters inevitably end up hating me luke but here's the deal i'm not actually that concerned by this loss, even though he doesn't get stopped normally. Look, in this fight, he got lit up with a big shot early. And to be fair, the kind of shot that could lead to most fighters, you know, eventually getting stopped. And not only did he come back and have moments and showcase his toughness, I mean, you know, he was trying to put himself, willing himself into a spot to win still. So, bad night at the office. Obviously, you pair it with his big opportunity against Bilal in the rematch, which he lost too. And you can add that to his age and start to get some ideas. But Luke, who I always thought of him was a guy who at four, for the you know sub-elite or elite level is willing to get in a brawl with everybody, but also willing to be the t more technical brawler in that and rely on some of his toughness to get ahead and score some of the type of wins that he did to put together that win streak. But I always felt there was going to be a ceiling for that. And I don't think this loss necessarily kills who he still is and still can be after that, Luke. Uh, do you get what I'm trying to say here? Yeah. The problem is, I don't think it hurts his larger reputation, but it definitely damages the short-term standing. You know, he was sitting at six. He's probably going to drop pretty far. Maybe it's going to hurt his financial leverage, for sure, Luke. For no sure. Question. And he's going to have to go back to the hammers that I thought he was kind of beating and putting behind him, you know? It kind of puts him back there a little bit. And also, by the way, Dean Thomas made a great point on the broadcast when they brought him in during the Luke fight when he was getting tuned up. And they were like, you know, because Luke has his hands up the whole time, and Dean was like, yo, this is why having your hands up is not necessarily defense. Obviously, it can be, but, you know, moving your head, getting the right positioning, taking angles, all those things. All the things, by the way, and Saif Saud, the coach of, of uh, Jeff Neal, screaming right flank, right flank. They were trying to set angles on the guy the whole time, and it worked, by the way. It worked really well. You know, I, I, I appreciate all the various ways, because, you know, Michael Bisping was saying in the, in the broadcast team, Luke is talented everywhere, which is true. Which is true, but he doesn't have an ace, you know, ace in the hole kind of game. He's got a really well-rounded game for sure. But you can see against someone who's got a little bit of a specialization and heavy-handed, you know, it's a problem. It's a problem. So I think you know, there's a there's a question of the youth not necessarily holding him back, but really fine-tuning one part of his game to make it lethal. Really getting out there and leaning into whatever that's going to be. Probably the striking. Uh, maybe that could take him back to the top. But as it stands, it's a very good game. 
but it's clearly not enough to ascend to the top at this point. And I think there's some reflection due as a consequence. He makes fun fights, though, Luke. I, I, I'll love he him certainly for that. does. Uh, real gonna, and, if, and if you want, sorry, if he wants to, or if physically he has to devolve into simply a TV fighter, he may be able to withstand that for a while, Luke. Very true. Very true. As, yeah. uh, okay. Real quickly, okay. on the rest of this card, let's just go through it very quickly. Uh, Muhammad Usman wins the Ultimate Fighter at heavyweight. He knocks out Zach Pauga. Which, whose, whose name I was mispronouncing up until this point. I'm sure I'm still mispronouncing it in some way. Uh, vicious left hook. By the way, I got to say, old uh, Muhammad Usman for a big-ass heavyweight who is clearly well-muscled, pretty fast, pretty good selection of punches. You that left hook, he was looking for it the whole time because Pauga kept dropping his right hand as he was coming in for it. Found it on the mark. Guy didn't see it coming and polished him off. It's a nice win by Muhammad Usman. Dude, I mean... It's not that, you know, there, there's some raw elements to his game still. I think defense and head movement, I, you know, he was getting hit a little bit too easily for my liking at times. But you see the explosiveness, the power, the physical shape he's in. And then, Luke, whether you think it matters or not, I mean, that post-fight interview was as humble as shit to the idea of hard work, family, morals, values. Uh, you know, obviously, the, being the brother of somebody doesn't always equal success in anything, but... You know, they, he painted a strong picture that intangibly he could be pretty well off and in, in a decent spot to maybe make some noise or maybe, I don't know, Luke, I don't know. But I will say it's hard to really take anything away from this performance. He was an underdog. He came in there and he delivered. Uh, you know, not busy enough, Luke. But if you're a guy, at least at this level of matchmaking, where when you do touch people, they go away like that. Because, look, I thought that was a jab until, like, the third replay. I was like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. that is sort of a half hook, half undercut sort of. Uh, but, like, I mean, you know, he's had a couple losses. He's not young. What could he be, Luke? I mean, Kenny Russell, I wanted to see him go for some takedowns. I don't know enough about his backstory. I didn't watch this tough season to know if that's a part of his arsenal. But... His brother can wrestle pretty good, Luke. He can. He's not. He can't wrestle like his brother, but he can wrestle a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know either at heavyweight exactly what his upside was, but he certainly, he certainly looked good this time. The patience, the understanding of his opponent, like reading, picking up on his mistakes, and then finding the appropriate punch as a consequence. That's not an obvious thing. Like people, I, this sounds kind of. We should say this out loud. There are a lot of teams who are very good at game planning before a fight. There, the number of teams where, and this is not necessarily applying to this particular case, but I just want to make a, a broader statement. The number of teams, even in high-level MMA, that can get a guy to make meaningful adjustments in the middle of a fight and then have that fighter carry it out, and they can spot all those things in real time, you could count them on less than one hand. It's not yeah. very many people. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, like, oh, every team should be able to do that. It's actually way harder than it looks. This was a much more you know, reduced version of that where he was just picking up on the mistakes of a guy in real time uh, as the fight progressed, and he did a good job of it. So that was nice. That was actually really nice that he was able to do that. But beyond that, I need to see more against more credentialed opposition, I guess is the answer. Um, BC, I don't know if you got a chance to see it. The Juliana Miller, she wins the uh, oh, women's God. flyweight uh, fight with a ground and pound of Brogan Walker. Did the old uh, cr uh, crotch chop at the end. I'm sure the BC special loved all that. Oh, I'm Any sure you'll be seeing from, it from this later on. Have you seen this shit? But, <laughs> okay. uh, you know, again, I didn't watch the season, and if this is my first introduction to, to Miller, I mean, what's her name? K Killer Miller? I mean, you can call her Mayhem yeah. Miller for all I care, Luke. She's she's spicy. There's something to watch here. There's a fighting spirit. Um, this was uh, a, a tough-ass win, and, and she delivered the goods. Um, 
Flyweight, we know there, you, you can make noise at Flyweight if you can put some things together. And this is only step one of her UFC journey here. But so far, I'm impressed. Uh, and, and I want to see the growth and, and give her time to get there. Uh, I'll say this. And she had mentioned it. She acknowledged it was an issue. She is 3-1. and one. I know people want to get to the UFC as early as possible. I got to tell you that one, I don't love that. Don't love, don't love the fact that you've only got four pro fights and you want to be in yeah. the UFC. That yep. is going to be a tough learning curve. She may, she, I'm, not, I'm not guaranteeing failure. It's not what I'm saying. But the, the history of people who have gone to the UFC with four fights, really three, uh, and yes, you can count the, the ones in the house or whatever, but um, not great. Not great. Do you believe, Luke, do you believe that both Sage Northcutt and uh, uh, the, the, the Jersey guy that fought Punk, uh, come on, Luke, fill it in, fill it in. What happened? Who beat Punk from Jersey? What? Why can't I oh, think of his name? My, Mickey Gall. Mickey, Mickey Gall. Just using those two as examples, would they have been better off with lower level, sustained, selective matchmaking in the more traditional vein rather than go from sort of reality close up to right in the fire? It's hard to know the specifics of anyone's situation and how financially destitute they might have been, so I'll answer the question this way. In terms of the development of their game, it is a very bad idea to go to the UFC with three or four fights. It's a very bad idea. Uh, doesn't mean it can't be done. Doesn't mean we haven't seen people do it. But in general, it is creating a development process that could be massively inhibited by how outpaced and outsized the competition is. You can be like, oh, women's flyweight is weak. True, but I think people underestimate what it means to be a top 15 fighter in the world and how much more developed they are. You know, again, everyone's going to be different. We'll see. I'm not in any way declaring gloom and doom, but statistically what she is attempting is extremely difficult to do. I'll isn't it, it crazy? And this isn't a you know new revelation. We've talked about this a million times, but it is crazy how if a, if you look back at a boxer who's about to have their toughest fight, and you're like, oh, they they lost once or twice in their first 20 fights. You're like, oh, they're a blown you know prospect. They're they're a bust. You know who's still fighting. Whereas in MMA, if you don't see those couple losses and those you know 14, 15 mm -hmm. fights on the level that you're talking about then we've got much more fear about you. It's almost like, as long as you didn't lose too many times, it's a badge. I mean, even look like somebody like Anthony Smith, who lost a lot before finally putting it all together. I mean, those obviously were huge in the process, Luke. No doubt about it. Like, when you see a fighter like, you know, Aldo losing, I think, one of his first fights, and Cyborg losing one of their first fights, uh, Kamaru Usman learning what, learn, losing one of his first fights, it ends up being the kind of thing that turned them into the champions that they ended up being, actually. Like, you wanted to see, again... Four or five losses, you're talking about a different level of fighter, but one, maybe two along the way, it turns them into champions. You know what I mean? Like, they needed that um, as part of their development process. Uh, BC, very quickly, I'll say, nice thing. Sergey Spivak looked pretty good beating Augusto Sakai. He is slowly turning into somebody you actually very much have to respect in the heavyweight division. Can we talk about Sam Alvey losing again? Like, I'm not even going to do a bit here where it's, yes, it's the longest winless streak in UFC history. But, dude, he got his jaw broken. He's going to have to get it wired shut. The UFC giving him contracts used to be a kind of a joke where they'd be like, oh, he keeps losing and they keep giving him fights, which is true. Dude, it's not in his interest to fight in this organization anymore. His health is at risk. Yeah. He is losing consecutively. He is losing now badly. And when the injuries start happening in fights like this, that's when you know it's time to do something else. Whether it's with his career or a different organization, I'll leave that up to him and the uh, commissions. But the UFC 
owes him a solid to not book him again. Just to correct you, I did wrong you early. If you add the Lava Shack fights on the Governor <laughs> Penn, he may actually have the record. Oh, I think actually Bigfoot Silva just broke that record. Uh, Luke, here's the deal on this. Um, yeah, I mean, like I read part of the feature that ESPN did on him, almost sort of like this lovable guy who, uh, you know, lives on a farm and is married to a, America's top model and has a million kids and is just as many uh, losses. He's, you know, rah, 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 rah. like it's, you know, I'm glad that he had that close up, but. You got enough to live for outside this cage to 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 yeah. It's not. I don't. I don't know. Luke, who who does he have nudes on? That's really where I'm at right now, Luke. Sometimes in pro wrestling you'll see this, but a, a guy backstage is like a great hand and he helps out the younger guys. And you know he'll if you need somebody for Brock Lesnar to throw through a window, that guy will raise his hand. It's like Heath Slater or somebody. You know, yeah, okay, respect that guy. But this ain't pro wrestling, Luke. Okay, so it's the it's got to be the end of an era now. Although he did beat Rashad. I can't believe I just said that out loud, but it did happen, Luke, okay? It did happen. I know, it's, it's still a source of sadness and fatigue for us both. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, Luke, it, you know, what if they told you we could put him against Ed Shortfuse Herman, uh, Herman in the Battle of the Gingers, Luke? Would you sign off on that as a UFC goodbye, Luke? Herman has taken so much abuse, I worry about his long-term health, candidly. But yeah. I think Herman would beat the shit out of him. Probably, know? yeah. All right. Point number three, we stay with UFC, but the last one of these, we didn't get a reaction to it on Friday or Saturday whenever the news broke. I can't remember anymore. I think it was Friday night. Oh, but, wait, real quick. I got to interrupt you. You're not going to talk about Terrence McKinney? Is that an extra credit report? Luke, what's happening? Uh, no, we can talk about him now if you want. What, what's on your mind? You look good. That was, that was fun as shit for the two minutes it lasted, Luke. Eric Gonzalez was... You know, got basically was told right off the start, you're going to fight. And he did, Luke. And although McKinney got the better of it overall and then got the sort of spectacular finish. Um, this this guy makes theater, McKinney, Luke. I mean, this was wild. This was a Bro, wild even, ride. Even, even in his amateur and other fights outside the UFC, my man has never been to a decision. Either way, win or lose, has never been to one. It is truly the definition right there of kill or be killed. And usually he does the killing, obviously not exclusively, but usually... And uh, this was another one of those examples, dude. The ju judges can kick their feet up when Terrence McKinney enters the cage because this one ain't going to them. Pretty, pretty I mean, remarkable. Would you add him to a, a must-see list? Like a, the kind of list yes. where Mahetta's on, Luke, Yuri Prohotska, that level where you're yes. like, yes, I, yes, I would. Okay. Again, I'm not, you know, he's got some climbing to do in the rankings to be at that kind of, you know, Prohotska kind of level. Obviously, he was a champion. But in terms of guys who you can reliably say, they're gonna they're gonna press the gas pedal for as long as this fight lasts. He's that guy. He is absolutely that guy. Although I will say, I wonder if that will inhibit him because you're like, oh, oh well, Prohachka yeah. won a title, but dude, Prohachka, the amount of damage he's taken, I'm telling you, his chin is gonna go eventually, and then there's gonna be no coming back from his style because the damage he takes, you can't undo. Like, you he can't be here for a long fit. time if you fight like this, Luke. You know That's that. True. You know what I mean? That's this is true. this is the guy that comes to your keg party. To, to, to bang your female friends and possibly steal your beer on the way out, Luke. I mean, I, I, I've known guys like this, Luke. I, I've, I wish I could be guys like this. I know guys like this, too. Fair enough. All right, BC, let's get to this very quickly if we can. Point number three. Okay. This happened on Friday night. So we have a main event, it seems like, for UFC 281. He announced it on SportsCenter, of all places. UFC middleweight champion Israel Adesanya, Izzy, We'll take on nemesis Alex Pereira. And here's the kicker. This, of course, will be on November 12th of this year. It's going to be at Madison Square Garden in the fucking Mecca. They're going to put it there. Oh, now, of course, yeah. they haven't said it formally, but this is also the card that we expect. 
uh, we expect Michael Chandler to fight Dustin Poirier on as well. So it looks like they're going to come to the Big Apple with a big-ass card. But BC, boy, they didn't waste any time booking Izzy in a fight after his last one at UFC 276. He's getting right back to work. It's against his chief rival. It's in one of the most iconic sporting venues in the world. Your reaction to this announcement? Got him. I mean, this is just, this is what dreams are made of. This is what, you know, the MSG major for the UFC, their annual stop in the world's most famous arena, which still freaking matters to me. I mean, again, I'll say it a million times. You tell me you're going to see a concert at the Garden or, you know, a sporting event or whatever, dude, it's going to feel magical. If I'm Dana White, Luke, I go, hey, scumbag media. You know all that shit you say about me here. Enjoy this night. You know this is what this is, Luke. This is why you, this is why you lift them weights in the off season. This is what you know. This is this is everything. This fucking matchup rules, and it's it's the exact test in Izzy's arc at the moment that Luke he really needs because you know this, Luke Thomas. For him to win this fight, which you know he'll be rightfully favored in my opinion, but you can tell me if you think the odds are going to go anywhere else. Um. He's going to have to fight to win this. You can't point fight Padeda, or at least who we think he is, Luke. And I know when we're talking about point fighting on an Izzy level, it's different than, than the other levels. But to have this at the Garden with that freaking banger, this, this reminds me of, of what, you know, what that felt like in 2016-17, you know, recently with the uh, BMF main event. I mean, yeah, dude. Are we going to be there? Are we going to do live shows, Luke? I'll, I'll, I'll streak through the streets, Luke. I probably won't be the only person doing that just randomly. Shit, weird shit breaks down all the time in Manhattan. But, Luke, I'm ready for this, okay? I am rock hard with emotion right now. I've got I a love phone this contest. I wanted to say something. Do you remember what we did for the 276 pregame preview? We were talking, we were debating how popular Izzy was. And I think you and Chuck were a little bit more like, definitely popular, but probably, you know, not all that popular, and I was a little bit more um, optimistic about his upside. I think one thing I've reflected on since that loss, or the win, it's funny that I call it a loss, one thing I've reflected on a little bit there is it wasn't like I thought you guys weren't picking up on something that didn't exist, like you were just inventing it. I I knew it was there. What I thought was going to happen was he was going to have a good win, and then most of that goodwill and idea about his identity would be largely restored or wasn't, you know, whatever. And he won, obviously, and he won pretty convincingly, but not spectacularly. In fact, what I want to sort of acknowledge was since then, I have very much greatly felt, I think, the things that you and Chuck were identifying ahead of that contest, which was, here's a guy who's very heavily promoted, who does appear to be capable of transitioning to something greater than what he is in terms of a popular attraction, and then for one reason or the other, hasn't quite ascended part of that reason i think is unfair in the way which he gets labeled for certain personal choices he makes but the other one is the fight style and we actually i talked to kamal bell about that i asked him why he thought there was this pushback against izzy here's my question to you though now if Pereira goes in there and knocks him out then anything i'm about to ask you is just utterly irrelevant but let's say izzy goes in there remember he beat Derek brunson in that same venue he goes in there and not only beats Pereira for the third time that they fight, but the first time ever given the three fights it would, uh, at that point would have taken place. How much does he restore what is possible? How much does that elevate him? How, what does that do for Izzy in that circumstance? Oh, it'd, be, it'd be massive. It, it would, and that means if you know Pereira comes out and pushes this crazy pace and the fight has 
back and forth moments, and then he ultimately stops, if that's the scenario you're sort of creating here, in a manner in which people want him to stop everybody. Although, you know, there's certainly a fair argument to make looking at his skill set, looking at the dangers that this game presents, even willing to take on the commercial byproduct of of being safe at times and what that does to your likability and overall sales and all that. I mean, it is effective. But Luke, if he went out there looking to walk down and stop everybody in a more aggressive, which also comes very close to bordering the town of Reckless, I don't know if he's still champion. You know what I mean, Luke? Because you can, you know, you go in there against a Robert Whitaker and try to strike with him on the same level and give him more chances to win rather than controlling the terms like Izzy does you may not end up having that same type of success. This is who he is, but you can win back goodwill in certain ways. You don't need to have a, a, a reboot of the Gastelum fight, which I just, you know, praise to God that I was there that day at UFC 236, an experienced cage side, a, just a war. I mean, just a heroic war. It doesn't even have to be that, Luke. Sometimes it'll be more circumstantial, and I think in this case, with the backstory, the opponent, and the styles, and how they'll probably merge together, it may be the perfect setting for him to win everybody back, because I think is going to be dangerous enough and close enough where Izzy's going to, at times, and maybe the majority, have to end up fighting in the type of posture that people want out of him all the time. So... If something like that happens, he can win back a hell of a lot of goodwill, and I think we lose this conversation, maybe not permanently, but for a while. I mean, Luke, you look back at Floyd, not a similar circumstance whatsoever, only similar in the sense that it would always behoove Floyd to talk a big game and get you in there, but then win whatever's the best strategy, removing the elements of danger and keeping that show on the road and, and, and building up his longevity and becoming the legend that he was. I used to argue at times, Luke, that even though Floyd position himself purposely as the villain which led to a very polarizing reaction to him from fans and media alike which people think is still lingering and people think I'm always extra harsh against him and maybe at times we hold on to certain things of he didn't fight this guy at this guy at this time you know remember the argument that same thing maybe we hold on to that too much the whole point is Luke Floyd executed that the, the probably the best way he should have but I always felt like if he had been in a war in which he had to show character more than we've seen him in select moments, maybe he'd be beloved by everybody just automatically. I think for Izzy, again, it's going to have to be circumstantial. He's willing to go there again if he has to. This may be an opponent that drags him there, but I think he's still going to put forth the performance that you know is going to be the same across the board. It just may look better in this case because some guy may make him bring that out of there, Luke. Um, it's it's weird how the crowds react to him and how the general uh, like I can't I, if you would have told me everybody he beat right when he was on the cusp of that title level and you showed me the the Wikipedia page of all the fights I'd look at that and go oh shit God is he McGregor like you know is he is he right, right there is he you know where where does he fit in the overall hierarchy and the other part too that would be kind of interesting is I think the momentum or lack thereof you carry into the final fight where you do get beat again I'm not suggesting he will or he won't. We'll, we'll figure that out on November 12th. But let's say he loses, right? Let's say he loses carrying in this negative momentum. That will potentially shape his legacy as well, right? They'll rewrite it in a slightly different way. Or I guess the conversation around it, I should say, will be will be slightly jaded about what kind of champion he actually was, despite the record of insane fucking dominance that he had at middleweight. So there's a lot on the line here, dude. This is, and I'm, dude, they're putting it in a major media market 
they're going, I love this call by the UFC, right? I love this call because they got a guy off of a fight that was lackluster, and they're doubling down on the idea that this one will be the switch. Izzy taking no time off, getting right back into the meat grinder exactly as he needs to, going to the media market capital of the world, certainly of North America, and then just deciding we're going to lean into this as heavily as possible. All the chips on the table. These guys have fought before. First time in MMA, of course. It's it's the right call, dude. It's, the, it's good matchmaking. The, yeah. the, the UFC, we have their criticisms of it, but they are an adept, they are adept promoters by and large. And one of the things I really like about their DNA a little bit is sometimes they know just when to lean into risk and not run from it. This is one of those times where like, oh, okay, there's bad sentiment. Let's fucking push our chips in in a way where we can turn that on its head. We can turn a loss, so to speak, into a win. This is exactly the right moment to do it, and I thought they played it very, very oh, well. Oh, absolutely, because fight. even if Podato wins, and even if he wins by knockout, dude, a rematch could be huge based upon what the fight looked like before the stoppage. You know what I mean? Like, this could be like a Roy Jones-Tarver situation and keeping your intrigue of, you know, like, this This could be monstrous. Um, and But, Luke, any criticism against who Adesanya is and his mindset coming off of that last fight, like, the fight only didn't entertain the, you know, the people that were looking for something that wasn't there. The performance-wise, you know, he was freaking brilliant. So he comes in here at this point, uh, you know, you can argue about where his brand's at. Where is he at physically, mentally? He's right where he needs to be to beat Pedeta. So, you know, it's part of... It's part of what makes this matchup so great and why even if it goes one-way traffic for Adesanya, which would be the best-case scenario for the UFC and maybe the sport at the moment, you can argue that he, he may be ready to meet that moment. So I can't wait. I can't wait to see this shit, Luke. Yeah, the last Damn, thing I, I would say wait. is he put, out a, he put out a post on Twitter. Maybe he put it on Instagram, too. I, I don't know if I saw it there. But he was getting some, some cosmetic dentistry or some dentistry generally or you know, something. He was getting some kind of dentist appointment or whatever. And he was making a claim about his smile and... And he was saying these days, um, people like people. The word he used was like fans. Basically, when they see him in public, hold him hostage with their conversations. And I'm like, he is slowly revealing a very uneasy relationship with celebrity, a yes. very uneasy relationship with it. Um, which I'm not even like bashing him for. That's not what I'm saying. Well, like, do it's, you think it's he's struggling with to it? hear a UFC champ talk that way? I don't get the picture. He's struggling with it, which can sometimes be a difference. Do you, Luke? I get this. I get, again, we have not spoken to him. I would love to talk to him to get more about this. So you're asking me to guess. My guess is he is resentful of certain forms of celebrity. Yeah. I, I get the feeling that the negative. No, no, I, I agree with that. What I'm asking you is, is, is he struggling with his character and what it up against the celebrity and how to navigate that? I get he's frustrated at the structure of it, but is he struggling with it? I think he's right where he, like this whole thing, like this fight can be sold on the idea that Pereira knocked him out, and we all saw that. But I don't mentally. I mean, he's in a in my, from the outside looking in, he seems to be in a spot where I'm not even sure that's even part of the narrative here, right? That's right. I don't think that that's in play. I don't think he's. I th- dude, I firmly believe that he believes he can and will beat. Pereira, like, and then all of his preparation has been leading to this moment. This does feel like, you know, this is this is the you know everyone thought that the Whitaker test was the big test of his career. It turns out this actually might be, right? Because the Blahovich thing was, you know, the, it was the Goldilocks, right? It was too it was too hot and and whatever. There were parts of like Vittori too cold or something. This feels like just the guy at just the right moment. 
to see exactly where everything is at. And if it's where it's supposed to be, then he'll be fine. And if not, it's all going to get revealed. And the question is, are the trappings of celebrity, are the trappings of having to be, get ready for guys that pay, perhaps you didn't care about? Or maybe there's something wrong with his fight style. Like, there's all different ways to measure these kinds of things. Pereira is going to be the one that pulls the lid off the pot and lets us see what's actually being made here. And if Adesanya is going to have his own Anderson Silva moment in, in the vein of, of what he has been lacking up to this point in, in that crossover ability to grab people and keep them as interested customers loving him and not criticizing him, this is the platform to have that. God, you know, it's the right opponent, right venue, right time. I mean, we, everything we just talked about, but like... You know, if he's going to have that Aldo McGregor moment, it's going to be in this fight, Luke, I think. You know, and if he's going to make the leap to whatever his peak will be commercially, uh, this fight is the, the fulcrum to produce that. Fulcrum. I agree. Yeah. I certainly agree. All right, let's move to point number four here, if we can, BC. I love your use of fulcrum. Um, let's talk PFL. Uh, I think it was PFL. I put six in the, in the lineup, but I think it was uh, PFL seven. Took place on Friday. So we now have some, basically some finalists in two of the weight classes, in lightweight and light heavyweight. So it's going to be Olivier Aubin-Mercier facing um, Stevie Ray at lightweight, and then it's going to be Omari Akhmedov taking on Rob Wilkinson. I'll just ask the question this way, because I know PFL is probably not the biggest priority for our audience. Who, who of these four names has really stuck out to you as somebody who is heading into the finals with some real momentum? Uh, Omari Akhmedov, Luke. Really interesting. Yes. That would be the least we, of my answers, but okay. We weren't talking about him at all or really caring. It's like, oh, yeah, the guy that lost to Weidman, you know, he's been up, he's been down, but he's a tough out. Well, Luke, he's in a new weight class, and, you know, he's been a light heavyweight before, but he, but he's in this, and he's supposed to fight, of course, shoe face Antonio Carlos Jr., who was really coming in with momentum, and it didn't happen. But he did get a Josh Silvera who, while still young and, and will grow from this loss unquestionably and wasn't handled, so to speak, just got outpointed, out-techniqued in a close fight statistically. Dude, Akhmedov rose to the occasion, did what he had to do. And, you know, Luke, he may end up, you know, he's got a shot to win this thing now. And maybe it's maybe this is only a case of what I thought of him before this. And maybe I wasn't as in tune necessarily. But he jumped through the screen in some very subtle ways here to do what he had to do against a young opponent who the betting oddsman thought was going to come in and really make his career with this fight i am um that's not who i had that's not i because I, I, here's the thing i saw the the silvera fight as well silvera this was what his 10th fight something like that um you know i just did I mean, silvera has uh yes he's nine and one so you know he looked to me like a good fighter, but a very green fighter. You could just tell. Yes. It wasn't like he was making a lot of mistakes, although he kept circling into Ogmadov's power the entire time, which was a bad call. But, uh, by the way, contrast that with Jeff Neal, who also had open stance, who kept moving to his outside flank and then just tearing up um, Luque as a consequence. So, yes, there is some underdevelopment there. But it wasn't like he was making a ton of bad choices. The wrestling was there a little bit, but he didn't have the control. One of the ways you can spot... People are like, what's the ways you can spot development? It's not just the mistakes that fighters make, because even very good fighters make mistakes. It's not so much that. Ask the question, what can they do, right? So what, if their game gets taken away or somewhat neutralized or some control, do they have some other ability to go to that? And you can see they're just... He didn't have great control on the ground. He didn't have uh, ability to switch stance. He didn't have ability to, like, pump a jab in that way. And so there wasn't just a whole lot he could do. So I don't know how much to read into that win. 
I will tell you. Well, for dude, me, he had he had some spunk and grit to him, though. I mean, he you no, know, no, his, no, his, he's a good lick. He, this and that, dude. And, and I I don't have anything bad to say about Josh Silvera. My only point is, Akhmedov is way more experienced. I mean, Akhmedov has fought and lost and beaten a, a different class of opponents for years. Like you know, this was a huge ask of Silvera, given where he's been in the game. And I thought, given those considerations, he performed quite admirably. It was just you were asking too much from a guy who was still he's still getting his bearings in the fight game. Akhmedov right. is a guy like, I think thirty fights deep. You know, he's got three times the level of experience. Of course. So you're you're not surprised necessarily by how it played out, yes. even though again Akhmedov was the the slight uh, betting underdog, but. I just I was impressed with the veteran skills he showed and the way that he was able to sort of keep it on the terms he needed to get it done. And again, now he advances to the finals when I didn't really look at this draw ahead of time and pick him. Maybe maybe the guy who would have won it, Shoeface, is now out. So it does open up a door for him that's huge. But Luke, did yes. you? I know you're a hashtag girl dad like the late Kobe R.I.P. But did you catch feels like I did during the Sylvie, Silvera father and son vignette beforehand, Luke? You know what I mean? I was like, I skipped. Did it. you? <laughs> oh God! Brazilian Shrek was crying. It was it was beautiful, Luke. It was like Harry Chapin should have been playing in the background, you know. And I mean, uh, it was yeah. Uh, listen, I'll just say this: that that the, the the light heavyweight contest to me is not all that inspiring. Rob Wilkinson has been you know flattening people left and right on his way to get there, and it does have some ability. Akhmedov maybe will beat him because he's just careful. Like Akhmedov loses against much better guys, but not against like really wild guys. So I tend to think he might get it done. I'll tell you, for me, it's got to be Olivier Albin Marcier, right? Want to remind everyone, the dude has not lost since he left the UFC. And who he lost in the UFC was Hernandez when Hernandez was on the two best streak of his career. Gilbert Burns, who decisioned him, and Saryukian, who decisioned him. Since then, he has won every fight. And in this particular season, yes, he started off, by the way, beating the previous champion uh, from PFL, beating Natan Schultz. Then he beat last season's champion, Hausman Fio. And then he fought Alex Martinez on Friday, dropped him a couple of times with a left hand, took his back. Dude, my man is cooking in the PFL. And Stevie Ray has had some tough fights, two of them notably notably back-to-back against uh, Anthony Pettis, and he does have some clear ability. I want to be very clear about that. But the guy who looks more complete, more physically ready to keep up with the demands of the PFL schedule and, and just seems to be much more in a great place... I think it's all been Marcier, and I think he's going to collect a million dollars when the season's over. Dude, he has like a stubborn swagger to him that's like, I figured out how to get the best out of me in this moment. I know the secret that no one else does, and, you know, he's not he's not overwhelmed. I mean, he's not out here like, you know, finishing guys left and right and making highlight reels necessarily, Luke, although that he could, he could finish, he could produce that, but it's just been gritty. It's been work on the ground. It's been hard-ass jabs. I mean, he's just been out there, and, you know, Luke, you down with OAB. Yeah, you know me. You know what I'm. You know what I'm. What I, <laughs> I mean, you get what I'm putting out there, Luke. Dude, I, mean, yeah. I get that because I'm a washed piece of trash like you. Yeah. I wonder if the 25 year olds watching this show, like, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't even know what that means anymore. Luke, do you think uh, Ray Flores, by the way, who filled in, who took over for Lillian Garcia and was announcing yes. there at the Hulu Theater? Shout out to our boy Sugar Ray. Uh, do you think he was able to uh, order a drink from the uh, Smart Cage? It's like, you know, uh, Stevie Ray, everybody, I'll have a Jack and Coke. <laughs> I mean, just, you know, uh, yeah. Dude, if your Smart Cage doesn't order you spicy Thai, pad Thai from the local Thai place in your neighborhood, what can it do, really? Exactly. Nothing is the answer. Do you notice no one can mention the cage without calling it the uh, 
the smart case. It's like, you know that. It's like grandfathered in. Like, they know it before they turn the microphones on. If you're going to mention that fucking fighting surface, you I better mean, say the gonna, damn smart case. I'm just going to start calling things smart when there's no reason to do that. Like, yes. I'm going to go to the doctor and be like, hey, doctor, can you look at my smart balls? They have... Uh... <laughs> you're like, hey, Rogan, my smart co-host. Yeah, yeah. There's, well, you know, okay. There you go. You know, I'm just, hey, I'm going to go to the dentist and have them look at my smart teeth. It's like, why are they smart? I don't know. It's PFL calls their cage smart for no fucking reason whatsoever. So why can't we do it? Why can't yeah. we do it? Yeah. Uh, all right, BC. Last but not least, we go to point number five. There was some boxing over the weekend. Quickly, let's get to it. So a guy you're high on that makes it appointment viewing for me, Virgil Ortiz, he stops Michael McKinson. Did a pretty good job of it. What can we say about how good Virgil Ortiz looked? McKinson, by the way, early on trying to fight fire with fire, but he got overwhelmed quickly. I didn't love this matchup coming in, and it kind of played out in some ways to the not worst-case scenario, but the whole point is Virgil Ortiz Jr., who's now 19-0 with 19 KOs, he's the, he's the damn goods. What is he, 25 years old, 24 years old? Mm-hmm. I mean, he is the goods. Will he beat those super damn, you know, Crawford Spence level elites at the highest level? I don't know. I want to see it, okay? That's sort of where he's at right now. This just wasn't the opponent to test that. Even though McKinson's a good boxer, even though he's beaten, what, they said four of his last six opponents on the streak he was on were, were undefeated. He was undefeated, too. He was tough, Luke. But he had two knockouts coming in. Uh, it's not that we don't need to see Virgil Ortiz against a boxer. It's just that I want to find out if I have any concerns about Virgil Ortiz Jr. on the, on the highest level. If he's got some poise when it comes to knowing when to stay in a brawl, because he loves to brawl, man. He's a two-handed puncher, a great body puncher, as you saw mm-hmm. in the eighth and ninth round when he took when he stopped McKinson. Uh, McK- am I? I'm probably butchering that guy's name. I mean, the guy had balls. Okay, I'll say that, of course. But uh, I want to see if Virgil can maneuver, you know, maneuver that superpower that he has. I want to see that. No, he ended up changing trainers, not with Robert Garcia anymore. He's with his dad. I, we didn't we didn't get that out of this fight. Now, what's interesting, Luke, and what's mo- well before we talk about his future, where are you at? Knowing that Boots Ennis is freaking coming in the hierarchy of even though we haven't seen them all fight each other, and in the young guy's case, we haven't seen them pass the the monster test. Although, let's give Ortiz credit, he stopped Meme Machine, right? He's been fighting guys that had a pulse, you know, for leading into this. Um, where do you put Virgil Ortiz right now at Walter Wade in that sort of mythical pound for pound of what we don't know? I'm not sure I understand the question. You're asking like, how do I think he compares to Boots? I don't. I don't. I, I think he's in, uh, he's got a different style, but I think Boots is Boots could handle his pressure and toughness, but is way slicker than him. Way slicker. Yes. Like um, he's slick enough where yes. he could be the boxer if he if he absolutely has to. Absolutely, he can. You know. Yes, he has uh, that gear. He definitely has that gear, but I don't think that's his best work. Whereas I think Boots could brawl a little bit. I, mean, I, I don't even think he could brawl. He could, he could fight fire with fire, but his level of craft is just... It's, and it's, it's not even a fair fucking comparison because Boots might be like, who knows how far he's going to go. Like, his right now, seems tremendous. until he proves us wrong, Boots is young LeBron. And that's just the truth right now. Right. So it's like, so who it's like is... The comparisons in a, on some level aren't even fair. Like, are you asking me, do I think he can be a belt holder at 147? Virgil Ortiz? Yeah, I do. Like, like okay. you know, unified potentially. Well, I mean, it depends on the division shakes out, obviously. But um, well, know, he, he, when the Bud Crawfords and the Spences age out, like it's going to be up for grabs. And yeah, I think there's a real possibility there he could claim one. Okay, well, here's where it's time to have that next step conversation because this win 
makes him the number one contender to the WBO title held by Terrence Crawford, who was there because he was in his boy uh, Mo Hooker's corner in uh, one of the earlier fights. He's not a mandatory where he's like ordered next, but he's the number one contender, which means you're, you know, it's about to happen. You're, you're about to get ordered. Obviously, we all want Crawford Spence this year. And, you know, we hear rumors come out from various outlets of exactly where the Crawford Spence negotiations are. And sometimes it's varying. Sometimes you make it, you know, it, it scares you to make you feel like it may not get, may not happen yet or may not get signed. But then you're like, is that just public negotiating and, you know, leveraging? And now you hear talks are happening. But, it's weird that Virgil Ortiz right now, if Terrence Crawford doesn't join the PBC, he really represents at the moment until those big names from 140 eventually move up and those lightweights that are now going to 140. He's the biggest fight Terrence Crawford could get outside of the PBC bubble, which is massive. They have 95% of the welterweights that matter, right? Um, it'd also be by far the biggest step up and toughest fight for Virgil Ortiz. I don't want to even put words to this because Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford needs to be next and there's no excuse right now why they can't just make it next and hopefully they will. Maybe even this year. Hopefully this year, Luke. What do you think, though? What do you think, though, is the whole setup here about Ortiz versus Bud Crawford? What do you mean? If 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 the talks fell apart, this guy's now the number one contender for Crawford and the only fight outside the PBC bubble that you could really get excited about at welterweight until yes. the young guys move up, okay? Yes. And t- so would you, would you want it? Do you think Virgil's ready? How do you even like look at just an early vision of that? I think he gives Bud Crawford some things to think about and is ultimately overwhelmed onto a fight that afterwards we'd be like, we didn't really need to see that. You know what wow. I mean? Like, wow. I think Virgil Ortiz would shine for large stretches, and in the end, Bud would do Bud things, which he always tends to do. And then you'd be like, oh, right, this went about... Like, this was not the fight where we wanted to see if he could... T- it just... It's not the time for, for the Bud apple cart to get tipped over. Not by a guy like this yet. Yet. Okay, but, but in what, a year or two, you know, that's a little different. Would Bud have to outbox him to win, or do you think Bud can do Bud things against him? Like, that's what Bud, I... That's Bud what, like, takes I like, risks. Bud takes risks. Yes. Like but Ortiz would, is not Trinidad, but do you have to be Oscar in the Trinidad fight against him and lean on the boxing and the footwork at this point? Because the, the one thing you know about Ortiz, you don't know if he's great or not, but you know he's willing to find out. That's what you have to know if you're Crawford, though, Luke. Yes. But, I think Bud would outbox him for long stretches, dude, but Bud's career is marked by putting himself in firing lanes and then working around it like Neo in the Matrix. Like, that's what no, you're he right. likes you're to right. do, you know? And did, um, did, 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 did you get any lift just talking about this, Luke? I mean, I'm fired up right now. You, you're like, I'm not as fired up about it as you because I'm just so focused on Spence Crawford being made, and then we can open up course. the conversation to everything else because I'm like, because it not feels like we're it. so close. There is we're room so at close. the end. Come on in. Let's make this fight. Okay, please. Thank you. All right. Uh, how about this? Mick Conlon, Michael Conlon getting back to action after that terrible loss to Lee Wood, goes out there and fights Colombia's Miguel uh, Mariaga, Mariaga. And uh, knocked him down three times. I'll say this, man. If you had any questions, I mean, listen. Uh, here's, the, here's the reality about Mariaga, right? Um, can box a little bit, you know, and certainly it comes to fight as best he can. So, he, you know, he doesn't lean back and try to just win on points. He tries to bring the fight to the opponent. Can punch a little bit. I thought if, you know, Conlon should have won. But I'll say this. If you had concerns, like how's Conlon going to look against, yes, the guy who's ultimately overmatched. Conlon looked pretty good. He didn't look gun-shy to me at all. He was, no. he was catching this guy in between punches or at the end of them. Dropped him three times. Did good body work. 
This was a, this was a nice performance by uh, Mick Conlon. It's a it's a big win in my opinion, and it, it's not without criticism or the downplay. Look, the critical Twitter online reaction from the hardcores was, okay, yeah, he looked good, but Mariaga wouldn't throw anything, and he wouldn't, Luke. It wasn't until the final round when Mariaga hurt Conlin a little bit, and why that was important was because it was the final round against Lee Wood, the fight you talked about, where Conlin ultimately got stopped in a fight mm-hmm. that... He, while it was fun, he was winning, and he was, right. you know, he look, the old Conlon took more chances. This under Adam Booth, the new trainer, was a, 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 a kind of reinvented guy who's leaning on his amateur background. Full-time southpaw now after being mostly a righty and switching up a lot. And while he needs to take risks to get inside to let the hands go, he didn't stand for prolonged periods. Look, I could make the argument and believe it that ultimately it was his movement that disarmed Mariaga. And, and made him not able to take big chances. And that's why it was that fight. But you could also say Mariaga was, what, 35? He'd lost before three times at the highest level. Maybe this is just who he is, looking for that one big punch, and it never really came, and kind of came close in the 10th. I don't know, Luke. I don't want to take away from it, because Conlon had to go back in there against, not a softy, against a tough-ass killer, to be fair. And he, he passed the test in, with flying colors, if, in my opinion. So, yeah, dude, um, he's he's gonna be he's gonna be in title fights again in this weight class. He, he he I think he bounced. I think he took that from that loss exactly what he needed to, and now he's ready to get back in. The only question, long term, Luke, and it's always been the question about him, is how much will his lack of elite power prevent him from being great? Um, I do think he took too many chances earlier in his career. I think he's got to just stick to the boxing style. He's got to be like second half Camacho of his career and just be that slick boxer. Y- yeah, if you have to stand and fight, and Conlon can get off. So, you know, he had some good, he had some good power hand shots there too. But um, if he commits to this southpaw game plan, Luke, that may be his best shot. Fair enough. Uh, Jake Paul also paid fifty percent of the purses on the undercard for the now canceled event that um, was supposed to take place on Saturday, except for the ones like Brandon Lee and whatever and Amanda Serrano and their opponents. We're going to reschedule. Nice gesture by him. Could be just PR, but uh, even if it's PR, it's a reasonably nice gesture. So, thought I'd mention it. Uh, BC, we got to move along because your boy does have to visit the doctor today. So that's it for our top five. Let's move on if we can into DMs from dogs. Let's get that going. Hee-haw, there it is. Hee haw. All right. We've, these have not been great the last couple of weeks. Let's see if they can bump these up in quality. Is it right, from uh, clownfart.90210? Is that the... Uh, yeah, I don't have the list in front of me, so just throw them on the screen here. I'll read them. Uh, underscore, underscore. Okay, from, yeah. yeah, from Cole. I know it's always like from uh, tapioca underscore mayonnaise 7529634. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Turk what 182. Yeah, this, yeah. What do you believe this significance is in being tough champion today? Uh, you get saddled with a undesirable contract in trade you get a little bit more attention than you ordinarily would through your ufc entry is it like when when you get your recording contract as a pop artist through american idol and then they probably take like half your money for the next five years yes (laughs) yes okay okay um no it doesn't mean what it used to obviously we all collectively i believe if i'm speaking for the hardcore fan i'm wrong then, then dead wrong me here I think we've been over it for a long time, and we've had these discussions forever of whether it should go away. I don't, you know, I'm not against them keeping it alive, and maybe it's a good watch. Aaron Bronstetter always stands by that these are good watches, Luke. Although Aaron, he Aaron, he one, of, one of the sometimes. great things about Aaron Bronstetter is that he's nice. One of the bad things is he's so nice that he'll be too charitable for things that are bad. I, well, you know what will be the answer? 
is his honest review on Thor Love and Thunder. That will probably answer the, I mean, you know, if we make him the independent arbiter of these type of moral de de decisions, Luke, you know? I don't know if it's a moral decision. It's just oh, it is. You, do you have bad taste in movies or do you not? Really, is a my son enjoy it, Luke. Okay, it's just his favorite movie. I mean, come on, <laughs> Mister Hebos over here. All right, are you are you guys gonna take a uh, use a photo from your time at Thor: Love and Thunder and get it tattooed on your calf? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, I will. Okay, God. all right. Next, throw it up there. Let's see it. Uh, from Oso Aldaco. Any thoughts on the death of Leandro Lowe? BC, did you follow the story at all? I didn't. Uh, shout out to uh, um, Lee Selker, MK Wa viewer, who sent me this in the DMs. Um, yeah. He's very tied into that. I didn't know much about this guy, Luke. It would be like everyone on my Facebook profile suddenly claiming that David Bowie's death altered their life. When I'm like, well, it is incredible. I know you. Sad. You don't listen to Bowie. Yeah, you it is incredibly you... sad. Lowe is uh, one of the best to ever do it. Uh, mostly in the gi, not as much in no gi, but uh, he is a, I think, he is the first guy in jiu-jitsu to win the world title at black belt across five weight classes. Now, he got one of those by Damn. closeout, but still, uh, no one's ever done that. He's won the world title, I think, seven or eight times. He recently just won it back in 2022, in June this, of this year. And the story that you guys, and he's famous for something called the mermaid sweep um, as well. But in any case... Um, he was in a nightclub or some kind of nightclub slash concert. Some of the reports of Brazil are a little bit unclear, but basically the story is he was partying. Uh, he's age, he was age 33. Someone came over to his table and took a bottle of liquor, and, and the story is that Lowe went to retrieve it, and in the process had to tackle the guy and control him and then get the bottle, and, and then they separated. And when they separated, he got shot point-blank range in the face. Now, what's Ooh. interesting is the guy who shot him apparently is a cop who is on the run from the law now. Um, and I guess there is, I, I'm not sure about this, but there appears to be some Brazilian law that allows people to carry in certain places in ways that you might not expect. I, I'm not sure about that part. That, that seems a little bit unclear. But long story short, insanely, insanely tragic. When I tell you Leandro Lowe was not merely well-liked, but revered for his accomplishments, dude. This, yeah. is, this is bad. This is like losing one of your top five current pound-for-pound -pound guys in the sport to um, a senseless murder and... Um, I, I, it's a it's a tragedy in, all, in every way you want to look at it, and also you know, it, it, I, I, you don't want to get into the self defense elements of it, but like people carrying guns in all kinds of places, you know, I know people tend to think that this makes them safer. It does not. It matter of factly makes uh, outcomes objectively more dangerous and awful. And here's a clear, pretty clear case cut of that. So I'm not I'm not going to argue that one, Luke. I'll tell you that much. So anyway, um, we'll see. We'll get more details. Hopefully they can bring this guy who did it, uh, allegedly, to justice. But we shall fucking see. All right. From uh, at Teeper... No, yeah. Teeper Ramsey. Teeper Ramsey? What kind of a fucking name is that? Do you think Izzy will shoot at least once in the Pereira fight? Or will it be a kickboxing match? What do you think there, BC? Over I under be one. A... Well, here's the deal. I mean, knee, knee jerk. You're like, damn right, it's going to be a kickboxing match. Would would he would he deem that strategy savvy enough to make the risk worth it, Luke? I think only I could I could see him shooting, but not in the open. What I could do is I could see him shooting like half heartedly for something along the fence line against the fence. I could see to that. plant to plant the seed or what? plant a seed, set up some kind of attack, something something like that. Rather than just straight up clinching with him, 
Because, like, for example, if someone's barreling down on you, what do you notice a lot of fighters do as they react? They kind of change levels to anticipate it, almost like if there's a wave coming at you, you get down to swim underneath it, right? It's kind of like that. Izzy will invite that pressure and then clinch, right? So he doesn't do that. Does he get rid of that instinct to clinch, given who he's up against, and then clinch for the takedown and then turn him into the fence, right? Could that be something he... Like, Whitaker is famous for this. Whitaker will go for a single leg just to turn you around so that now your back is along the fence and he's out in open space and he can retreat. Something like that? Something like that? Yeah, that's not the... Even though those are takedown attempts, it's not this. I don't think it's the true spirit of the question of of either because he's taking damage, he's going to shoot, or would that be part of his offensive strategy, Luke? Beyond just planting a seed, I don't know. No, this is going to be a kickboxing match. No, All you right, got to we'll win. You got to dance I don't, with. I don't think gotta, he will shoot either. Look, you got to dance with who who brung you there. All right. Um. Yes, you, I agree. Do you mind if we dance with the old dates? Great, a great line, great line, Luke. Where's that from? From uh, the uh, uh, Animal House. Oh, uh, Animal House, yes. Blue Tarski, yeah. zero point <laughs> zero. All right. Uh, from un- from at Mike underscore Godinez. Does Terrence McKinney versus Patty the Batty make the most sense at MSG? Now oh BC, they're going to put Patty on that card. I guarantee it. But the 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 idea after 277 because you don't know if you've seen it yet you got to go see Drew Dober versus uh, uh, what's his name Alves um, uh, Rafael, I think it was Rafael Alves was his name or whatever this this super jacked Brazilian dude Drew Dober looked awesome in that contest and yeah. he is unranked and he was willing to have a firefight Patty could win that fight on the ground Dober could win that one on the feet it seems pretty pretty competitive pretty action oriented you could put that in Las Vegas or do you want to do Terrence McKinney. I mean, is that a step too far in the, in what would be the smart way to match Patty, who has been critically rising along with the commercial love, of course. But, like, you know, I'm buying in, Luke. I'm starting to buy in here. That's, I, I <laughs> that's the potential for a bridge too fine. far. I'd actually say that the McKinney one, McKinney is perfectly capable of beating Patty, but, like, if he's going to have this sort of sprint style of fighting, that may be a bad for him against Patty, so the the bikini fight in that sense might be. That's going to make a fun mixed drink, though, Luke. They might just yeah, do well. that. Sometimes the UFC bartenders just do that shit. Molotov for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And of course, bikini could win that one just as easily too. That one's uh, both of them are winnable in all the different directions. I tend to like the Dober one a little bit more, but you know, to does each Cody Stamen have like a barbed wire tattoo like Tom Gugliotta and Pam Anderson, Luke? You never talk I, about that. I I can't remember. All right. Oh, I saw some. Uh, there was a there was a one of the f- uh, female grapplers yesterday at. Uh, there was a big gra- grappling super fight yesterday between Gordon Ryan and Felipe Pena, and um, one of Who the women won? on the pre- uh, Gordon Ryan. But it's very weird. Did he talk shit after Luke? He always talks shit, but it was weird. He won. It's I, I'll have to explain off air. It's kind of complicated how he won, but it, the short answer is a cardio tap, but actually not really. Anyway, neither here nor there. There was one of the women on that card who had an unbelievably good tattoo on her forearm. I forgot who her name was, but um, I wanted to bring that up. She had, like, very first-rate work. Uh, Picks her, it never happened, Luke. I'll find it. I'll find her name. Uh, From at Hirschbar007, why did BC stop doing 90s references? It was art. BC, motherfucking explain yourself. 
Uh, well, you know, Luke, I, I, I float sometimes. You know, it's, a, it's an arsenal in my bag. Um, but to be fair, when we lost uh, good old Jay for on, on this show on a full-time basis, although Jay's still in the MK universe, shout out to Jay. Luke probably hates Jay, but shout out to Jay just the same. Pennington James, that is, if you're talking about the artist under there. Uh, he was a master of the 90s button. We went through a period after that, Luke, where it became dormant to use that thing. And, you know, when you float 90s brilliant references to the ethosphere and and it sounds like nobody's listening because as you would say to our staff often hey malcolm member it's not your fault that you were born in 1998 right you've said i mean you've said that a few times luke yes which you have consistently misinterpreted for now years congratulations it's a, it's a good bit it's a low bit it's a low-hanging bit but i you know I've, i i use it it's a it's an icebreaker to be fair luke but the whole point of this what is the whole point of this um oh it, but lately we have had long island luke who not young, I, or not old, I don't think by any means, Luke. He's been, like, decent, would you say? Below decent, probably, in terms of the consistency and the picking up of the references. But at least it's making a comeback, Luke, all right? We're seeing it more, but the short answer why we stopped doing it is we have, BC's right, we have basically staff who just don't know it, you know? Yeah. You gotta have another. You have to have another old piece of shit, which Jay yeah. was. So we're looking for booth. a producer between the ages of forty-two and forty-four. Please, he must be must love dogs and be a piece of shit. Thank you. Yeah. Does your back hurt when you get up in the morning? Apply here. <laughs> that's, that's really the uh, that's really the answer. Uh, okay, that is it for our top five. BC has promised that his return to BC's feces is just full of elder abuse and everything else. I is excite. Let's see it. There are, so, there are some highs here, Luke, to go along with the many lows, but you know what I do, even though it's been a two weeks, I scour the globe for the good, the bad, the ugly, the highs and lows, the in-betweens in combat sports and beyond, and I call this, have you seen this shit? It's a shit sandwich coming your way. All right, Luke, you know we always start in the UFC fight night in Vegas this past weekend. You said it earlier, Juliana Killer Miller making Triple H proud with the DX crotch chop after stopping Brogan Walker Sanchez. Did they have heat? Did they have heat in that tough house, Luke? I I wasn't aware of that. I couldn't tell you. All right, look at Coach Pena, like yeah, like doing the Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah. Do both yeah. of her, both of her uh, finalists won? Absolutely, uh, I can get down with that celebration style. I, you know, I'm not going to add uh, what's her name again, Luke Juliana Killer Miller to like my, you know, my BC's like favorite fighter group, right? Like, you know, she's not there with like, you know, Mahetta and Cheyenne, but but I'm watching Luke. Okay, was that that didn't come across creepy at all, right? Dude, everything you say comes across creepy. <laughs> you right. could go to Dunkin' Donuts and just order an eclair, and that weird smirk makes me think you want to bring the eclair. Like, you're just awful all the time. Now. Well, that part actually may be true. Look, uh, Luke, we, I, I thought it was a jab of death at first, but this short left hook from Muhammad Usman, as we mentioned, uh, took out Zach Ugh. Payuga. Uh, Luke, he was celebrating so aggressively in spitting that did you see the the ringside doctor after I'd like like be like yo dude like get it together here we're trying to check you out here. I didn't um, see that. It's like Brock Lesnar when he beat Frank Mir. Yes. And he was just frothing and the mouthpiece came out. I was like that's a true animal right there. Same with Mohamed yeah. Usman. By the way, that's I what mean, I mean. Look a- at that nice Woo. shot. I think he parried the punch and then came over with the left. That's just good work, bro. That's, that's just really that's not work. a lot of movement. Like that's efficient, Luke. If that's a Super weapon, efficient. he can 
I mean, he's going to need a jab to set it up. That's why I didn't like some of his waiting, but hey, he got the win, okay? Uh, Jeff Neal, Luke, as we talked about, I mean, he fucking battered Vicente Luque in ways right. I didn't think was possible. Here's the finish, Luke, if, if our people hadn't seen what we were talking about before. I mean, Vicente was willing to go into the drain and spin around, and Jeff Neal put him there, Luke. Dude, Jeff Neal, mm. he was all business that night. Damn. He was all business that night. I really was I, I, You're right. Before things got derailed, I thought this was possible, but I had lost confidence that it was still possible. He proved that wrong and restored, I think, a lot of interest in what he can do in this division. I mean, if that he's doing that nice. type of shit, yeah, it's different now. Uh, but the biggest KO may have come from Brian Battle, Luke. Himself, yeah. a, I think, a tough uh, winner or veteran, not really sure. Head kick. He uh, was last picked on the show. Well, these guys who get last picked, man, they, you got to watch out for them. They yeah. have weird hair and weird physiques, but they'll send you to the land of wind and ghosts, motherfucker. Don't think they <laughs> Mr. won't. Mr. Irrelevant, my ass. Yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. Is... Mr. Irrelevant will fuck your ass up. Here, this, uh, was, I... this was beautiful. The guy was parrying with um, where he was trying to, uh, there was a lead hand battle there. And the second time he does the lead hand battle, he actually steps in a little bit, which was all that battle was waiting for. A battle measured him and blinded him with the, uh, and the, the cross, which also got him to lean into the kick and then fired the kick right behind it. That was super nice work from him. Uh, Luke, you don't mean to make light of a knockout loss here, but exactly whose nudes does Sam Alvey have, Luke? Because does he have the Fertitta Brothers secrets? Because here's uh, Just him staying. into the power. I mean, oh, yeah. God. Uh, Al Faran impersonator Mihal Olasheshik, Luke, with a, with a nice finish there. So uh, let's. Al impersonator. Yeah. Uh, PFL playoffs from the uh, Hulu Theater there at MSG, Luke, and Rob Wilkinson. He once fought Izzy in the UFC. Uh, mm -hmm. You mentioned he made the finals. He need his way to the championship round under two minutes oh. to finish. Yeah, baby. That knee. Yeah. Yeah, he was nice. He's marched everyone down, man. He And he looks big for the weight class now, too. Like, he's he's coming in there. That's why you picked Akhmedov. Like, Akhmedov isn't the, the sexy choice, so to speak. Yeah. He's, he's, the more, he's a little bit more the safe one. But Wilkinson's coming in there with a hot hand, for sure. Well, Akhmedov has factory town MMA values, though, Luke. you gotta be, you got to understand that. Fair enough. That. That's um, fair, yes. On the prelims, Luke, Martin Hamlet had a fight to try to get a spot on next season's roster, and uh, he got it, Luke. He got it. This Dude, was part of that moment. Pop. Good Lord. Oh. Just oh. so unsettling. Oh, <laughs> In the face. In the face, yes. Uh, Boom. Wow. Yeah, well, yeah, about dude, another one? And this was the guy Silvera had beaten. I uh, watched him blow this all out. Yeah, it's just very normal sport. Ugh. Oh, that's just a status. I, are we allowed to show that? I'm not even sure. That's disgusting. Uh, Luke, Brave FC 61. Shout out to Caposa for putting this in our lives. Jarno Aarons with a heck of a judo throw here, Luke. Or did I mean to say slam, right? I mean, let the boys be boys, right? What? Oh. Wow, I have to see that one again. That was amazing. Let's see. He gets wrapped up here. Does he step around? No. <laughs> Buddy, when they, when they post off their head like that, that's when you know shit has gone very poorly. Yeah, this is what... Oh, my God. I mean, that's like a uh, WWE-type move, only it it's real. It looks like a Harai Goshi is what it looks like. Damn. Uh, Luke, let's go to the adult soapbox derby. Um, there, you got to be high to enter this, but they do crash a lot. So let's. You know. 
I mean, why are they? I mean, why are Mario and Luigi making cars out of fucking cotton candy? I mean, what the fuck yeah. are they doing? Well, here? they hit the the banana peel, Luke, and there you go. I got Koopa Troopa in this one, dude. Yeah. When, when the car, when the disintegrated car, what's left of it falls on Luigi, there, I get a boner. <laughs> Uh, Luke, real, you know I get pumped up for real recognizing real. Here's Francis Ngannou dabbing up Deontay Wilder inside a Las Vegas gym. Uh, Wilder was also at the UFC fights over the weekend. Look how big Wilder is. Yeah, yeah. So, Luke, he's supposed to be coming back, man. Could be fun theater. You think it's going to be Hellenius? It, that's a fight that's been rumored, Robert Hellenius. That I mean, he's six foot seven. He can punch. He seems to be on a good run after stopping Kovnatsky twice. Luke, that'd be a that'd be an interesting fight. Bro, I dude. saw Kovnatsky's last fight against uh, Demirazin. They hit yeah. each. I've never seen heavyweights hit each other more and not affect change in that way. Like neither seemed to have much pop yeah. on that night. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong in this regard, Luke. Uh, you know I get pumped up for tip on tip when it's caught in the public eye. Look at these New York baseball legends, my two favorite baseball players of all time, Luke. Mike Piazza and, and Daryl Strawberry. It's not, it's not really a tip on tip, Luke, but it's, it's, it's almost, we're almost there. We're okay, almost BC, there. true or false? While Strawberry has been in and out of rehabs and financial destitution and all other forms of life harms, I'm going to say he's aging better than the much younger Mike Piazza. True or false? <laughs> um, Dude, I, Mike, I Piazza's, Mike Piazza's hairline is in, is in free fall. Yeah, I just think that's more of his style to try to fight that battle and keep it going, you know, and, and even to his own uh, degradation, as you're saying. But, you know, Luke, Piazza was as cool as cool can be. Do you? I mean, you know, he married a Playboy playmate and he... You know, remember that Sports Illustrated feature that led the first paragraph was like the guy who listens to Led Zeppelin and drives a Cadillac and is married to the ex, you know ex playmate. I mean, it was pretty damn cool, Luke. Okay. The last thing I ever read in Sports Illustrated as a magazine was the John Rocker feature in my freshman year of college, where he said all that insanely racist shit and became the enemy of uh, New York fans for life. Good transition there, Luke, from a great moment to. Yeah. All right. Hey, let's just bring on the elder abuse. Luke, this week, you're going to tell me if this is too far, okay? Here's Grandpa on the slip and slide. <laughs> uh, oh, Jesus. Oh, I can't watch dude, it. I dude, can't wa- Dude, watch this motherfucker's corpse just float. <laughs> That's not funny. No, cut to the next one. All right, Luke, let's take Granny to the paint. Hard in the paint on this basketball court, Luke. At least they oh. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, Dude, when they wow. talk about breaking your ankles on the on the on the court, they literally broke this bitch's ankle. Oh, oh my god. god, she's falling and she can't get up. Uh Dude, sometimes who, old oh, people oh, are hold on, hold on. Before you transition, who does that to their fucking grandma? Right? <laughs> exactly. Yo, grandma, right? <laughs> I'm gonna cross you up, you fucking bitch. Who <laughs> does that? Take this god sham god to hell. Yeah, I, come on, you know. Um wow. Oh, okay. you weren't point gods? You weren't shit. Exactly. Uh, Luke, sometimes old people think they're in shape and they enter bike races, though, Luke. Not not this old person. Oh, <laughs> eat a dick. Oh, Look at this oh, piece of trash. <laughs> oh, come on. That, what is this, Woodstock 94? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's keep it rolling. Luke, SummerSlam was in Nashville two weeks ago. I don't watch this stuff anymore, but Logan Paul is impressive as shit as an yeah, athlete. I've heard here, good Luke. things. I have seen some highlights on Instagram, uh, on the Sports Center uh, Instagram feed. Look I don't know shit about the sport. Up. Yeah, yeah. I saw this is the exact one I saw. Dude, this, I mean, I don't know shit about wrestling, 
But this looks impressive to me. Yeah, dude, it is. A, a frog splash through the Miz on an announce table. I mean, that's that ain't bad, Luke. Uh, unfortunately, Kid Rock was also in Nashville at the same time. And here's a uh, ringside close-up of him. Jesus. He looks like he has to braid his hair to keep the lice from uh, spreading. Oh, what the fuck? Oh, my God. Wow. I mean, mean, look, you know, the truth is I kind of grew up with this look. Is that um, Honey Boo Boo all grown up? Like, who is that? Um, no, she's famous too. I, who is that? I don't even know, Luke. Okay, there you go. That they made. <laughs> wow. Yuck. Uh, Luke also on this card. Look, this is pretty cool. I'm throwing they it had in here. Kids, their kids would fail every class in high school, even after trying. Yeah, I, I mean, Luke, I grew up around a lot of kid rocks. I'm going to be really honest with you. Okay, like so did I, I could have went to high school with him. Yeah, yeah, dude, yeah. I grew up in the fucking South. So did I. Trust me. Yeah. Um. Let's go over to uh, Brock Lesnar, Luke. I don't know if you saw this highlight against Roman Reigns. Anytime they're fucking with the ring and shit, like, I'll get into it. This is pretty badass. Dude, what the fuck? <laughs> Why are we watching Brock Lesnar WWE highlights? Because that's what is pretty wrong awesome. With you? Come on, that's pretty awesome, right? I mean, listen, if you've been hitting the head with a tire iron, I can imagine this being fun, you know? All right, Luke, the next night in Nashville, 73-year-old Ric Flair had his final uh, match Are we still, on are they still doing Weekend at Bernie's with old Rick here? <laughs> here he fakes a heart attack on Jay Lethal to get the upper hand. Luke, he's still the dirtiest player in the game. And that's, I mean, that's, a, that's a real blade job, by the way. Dude, this my guy's man, out here. Dude. <laughs> Dude, Ric Flair needs to do the Hulk Hogan thing where he wears the bandana because he's got just no hair left except that shit hanging off the end. Oh, I you thought you were going to say he needs to do the Hulk Hogan thing and call out all black people. I mean, no, no, come on. Well, is, I mean, you right. can make that joke if you want, but I was going to say, dude, 73, you know, can we can we put a stop to this? I mean, how long is this going to keep going? I mean, he's had many memorable final matches. Mean, WrestleMania 24 against Shawn Michaels. Luke, the I love you. The Oh, that's, I mean, it was it was Shakespeare. It was theater. That was like it was, it was, 15 it was years ago. Is that what it was? <laughs> it was like off Broadway, though. Off, you know, it's like, yeah. You were like, I can't tell if this is, uh, uh, you know, Macbeth or, or Rick fucking Flair, you know? Wow. Hey, uh, Luke. Let's go over. Uh, we had we had adult abuse. Let's get the kid. Let's get a kid involved there. Let's pick out a. Let's pick out a. There we go. We Luke. got a bottle uh, rocket or some shit. Yeah, like Def Le- Rocket. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you should let kids <laughs> handle fucking uh, fireworks. That's always a good oh idea. My God, the good kids. news, Luke. Let me explain that to you. Let me explain that. <laughs> kids, kids are not smart. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Luke, right in the pills. Right in the pills. Luke, One thing I've realized that? is, like, you can have a smart kid, but they're still not smart. Like, shit you just understand is dangerous. They don't They don't grasp no. it all. Keep that kid a pilsner, Luke. Wow, that's just, yeah. Woo. All right, let's go to weightlifting fails. Luke, that's a good transition. Um, I think this brings new meaning to the deadlift, right? So he's squatting, high bar. Yeah, that's it. Oh, go for oh. Well, that was his eyeballs. What the fuck fell out? <laughs> Some people thought it was teeth, but it, re- it was his ear buds. Oh, his, yeah, yeah, yeah. His ear pods or whatever the fuck they're called. Yeah. Yeah, all my right. man. Let's see. Let's go. He, he goes AT. Yeah, he just loses all control in the descent. And then you got to bail. You have to bail backwards. You have to let it go backwards, not carry you forwards. Fall for fall forwards is what they always would tell you at the valedictorian peach. Fail forward. Luke, uh, Luke does, a, does a lift count if you can't... St- uh, steady your legs afterwards and stay put. 
Yeah, you have to hit lockout. You have to achieve lockout. <clears throat> all right, this guy had issues with that. Look, <laughs> he lost all control on the descent, and by the time he got to the bottom, it was over. Here's There's this guy jerk. trying. Oh, to, oh, 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 here, take oh, this. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, my man never pitched it behind. You got to pitch it over the center of your your body. He pitches it in front. See that? Yeah. I mean, Jesus it almost looks like he's Christ. trying to like. Yeah, that's 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 rough. Here, hold this for me. No, you take that L yourself there. Uh, Luke Hall of Famer James Tony with a lifting fail under your harsh critiques. I mean, this guy could kick your ass, and he's in here with these, these, these gardening gloves. Luke, is that acceptable Dude, to lift weights? These are with the those? gloves that they, the, the guys on the Alaskan crab boats wear in the middle of the <laughs> Arctic Circle and shit like that. Why is he I'm, wearing these gloves? <laughs> I, maybe he doesn't want to develop calluses. I mean, he's still like, lifting hard. It's like, dude, a, a, after this is over, are you, you know, shucking oysters or something? Like, you ever <laughs> seen those guys with the, because they, they have to grab the oyster and they have to have it they kind of rubberized against the blade? Yeah, yeah. What the fuck are you doing, my guy? All right. Hey, sign of the week, Luke. This is a throwback to 2013, but uh, this guy, huge ESPN fan. Penis, 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 penis. That's clever. <laughs> I mean, I'm here for this all day. I'm not. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to apologize for loving this. Okay, uh, white folks are out in the wild this week, Luke. You know that makes our listeners mad. But here we go. Uh, <laughs> you put a white guy on a BMX ramp, and uh, suddenly good things happen. Oh boy! Yeah, that's yeah, just that's... that's just good old fashioned white fun, right? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we got more white fun on the street ramps. If we can transition from one, <laughs> yeah, there we go. One can. Well, I had someone reach out to me, being like, "You're too mean to BC." I'm like, "You idiots! I'm oh. not mean enough." Okay, oh, Luke, that that bike, wow. That's, Let's see. Uh... Well, you know what? He really got airborne with that. You know, that's really what yeah. stood out to me. Luke, I take those emails of criticism seriously, though. So how about a white guy win? Hold on. Check has out- anyone, all the mockery you've ever done of me with, like, the David Hasselhoff thing, has anyone ever written you, ever, to say you were too hard on me? Even no, once? No, no, not once. Right, Luke. exactly. So all of you fucking soft children who can't, me, un- who can't take a joke... Okay. Wow. Wow. Luke, we're laughing at you, not with you. Yeah, Thank I get you it. I get much. it. But it's like all the they they run, dude, they they run into white knight you in like the most pathetic of ways. And you know, I don't get the same courtesies, so eat shit is what I would you say. You treat them like when like you're the only adult in like a 3 on 3 driveway basketball game against like kids and you're like crossing people over and you know, just like Like that just- like that kid did his grandma. Yeah, exactly like that. All right. Uh, what a, Luke, how about a white guy win to turn the tide here? Check out this street dancing. If I could add one thing to my tool belt right now, it's these moves right yeah, now. This, 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 this fella, they've turned this fella into a meme. Like, it's <clears> like, oh, that Friday feel when you're getting out of the office. You know, yep. This is me on the way to the Krispy Kreme or whatever. You think well, that guy bangs? Got, my man's got some footwork. If you got that footwork, Luke, do you just, you just, you just bang, right? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely plowed half the chicks in those, you know, giggle oh dresses God. or whatever. Wow, Cocktoberfest indeed. All right. Uh, Luke, let's, let's, let's bring Karen on a motorbike. I'm sorry, it's what the people want, okay? I mean, a good oh, start for big, her Big here. country here is not ready for that. <laughs> oh, my God. She got Matumbo. No, 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 Luke. Wow, from that telephone pole. My favorite yeah. is when they try to use their feet to break. Watch. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, <clears throat> but, but, bop. 
Uh, Luke, I've got a uh, game here that I know you love because I do too. It's called Would You Eat This? Okay, Luke, here we go. Let's start with the old... Uh, apparently you can buy this uh, probably in the South, Luke. Made by Primo, it's hot dog balls and tomato paste. Probably not. Probably you not. Dip, you dip the wieners in the sauce, in the tomato sauce. Is it? Are they smart wieners? <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go over this one, Luke. This is a real thing in the. I think in the Midwest, uh, these do not have Delta not eight or nine properties in them, but it's uh, Kraft mac and cheese gummies. Okay. Well, that is horrendous. And the you wouldn't try yes. that. Oh, I tried. I tried. Okay, there you go. There you go. I don't have a shit cake for you, Luke, but I got a shoe cake on this one. Would you Would you take a slice of this? Let's see. Oh, are that, these that, all those, like, is it a cake? And then, you know, it's actually like... Yeah, I tried. I think, I think it's a cake. The That's thing art is, right The there. thing is, I forget the name of the substance, but the t there's a kind of, like, it's an edible cake... Frosting is the thing that holds it together. Oh, to so it's it like shape. glue. Yeah, yeah, and you can yeah. eat it, but it clearly tastes like not that great. Uh, Long Island Luke is saying it's fondant. Fondant, yeah, fondant. Yeah. Fondant. Oh, I gave it a French, you know, because I'm, you know, directly related to the Quebec, the, the Quebecois, Luke. Um, yeah, the ones who are Welsh, Lithuanian. <clears throat> would you? <laughs> I am a man of many shades, Luke, uh, including beige. Would you try this? Uh, would you take a bite of this chocolate bar, Luke? This is a real thing. Again, this is in South Korea. The flavor, cheese and onion chocolate. Who? Dude, would that's I take probably a bite? I would try it. I would try yeah. it. I don't know if I would eat the whole bar. You ever go to Ocean State Job Lot, Luke, and it smells so weird in there? But they always have stuff like this in the candy section. Maybe not no. this bizarre. No, All right. never done that. <clears throat> okay, I guess, you know, those that know, know. Uh, one more for you, Luke. Also a real thing. Coca-Cola-flavored Pringles. Wow. Um... Yes, I would try it. Wow, long, long pause on there. Yeah, I bet you they suck. Like, I was going to tell you the, the story of one time I urinated in a Pringles can and left it on a high school bus, but I'll save that for another time. Oh, my God. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, that's all. No, I got one more piece of shit for you, Luke. Uh, yeah, you should like this. I think they call it the, uh, the hot box and ice box challenge, Luke. Could you pass this challenge? So it's okay. It's an ice bath. All right. I I don't know if it's for ALS, Luke, but I'll donate if you can do this. All right. So far, so good. Okay. That's you know. Get get. By the way, these ice baths are harder than they look. By the way. And then they oh they turn the tubes up. <laughs> and then oh they just smoke out in there. Yeah. Bro, you want to talk about active recovery. <laughs> wow. 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 Dude, every MK show should be done in these dudes yard. Yes. Yes. Just like this. What does Kevin Hart have cold as balls? Look, we should do a show yeah. like that with with this setup right here. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. Just that's that's send all me the there shit and I got. leave me in there and tell my wife and kid I loved him. That's really, <laughs> That's the dream, isn't it? 
Uh, that's all the shit I got for this week, Luke. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you. It was great. It was great. Uh, BC, let's remind the folks. You can vote for us for the World MMA Awards, which would be very beneficial for us. You can pay us back that way. We'd always appreciate that when you do. WorldMMAawards.com slash nominees. QR code on the screen if you want to just do that. Or if you're listening again, WorldMMAawards.com slash nominees. Of course, Showtime.com is the label that pays. Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. MorningCombat.store for all the merch. NBC, I will see you tomorrow. Any final thoughts for today's show? Welcome back, buddy. Thank you very much for that. Thank you to our, our people who filled in. Thank you to the audience who welcomed me back in the DMs so aggressively. Thank you. Luke, um, we'll be in proximity tomorrow. There was something I wanted to ask you that I forgot. It. You know, it's, I mean, it, it could have been brilliant. It probably was, but I, I don't have it anymore. Look, it's gone. Well, I have to go have the doctor look at my smart cord. <clears throat> so looking forward to that here today. All right. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's all. Uh, BC, let's close this out. I'm glad to have it's you sweaty. back. It's sweaty. It's hot as balls, Luke, outside yeah. and inside. Like, this is, I'm in a sweat box right now. Yeah, it's sweat. It's, it's hot. It's hot <clears> as balls. Uh, I got to get going. We will have a ton of content coming your way. BC and I are going to be recording on our, basically, we're going in on our off day, is really the reality here, to just put a ton of stuff in the tank. So that should be fun. Chuck. We call Chuck's him Chuck. Be too. There. Yep. Yeah. Chuck's going to be yeah. there. Live MK show on Monday from the studio so that'll be fun as well be on the lookout for that bc i'm glad to have you back my friend there is really no one who can fill that chair quite like you and uh i look forward to seeing you tomorrow and then not hanging out at night when you reject my (laughs) advances to be a friend i told my wife about that she goes yeah he probably knows it too you're you know you're an asshole you know i'm working i'm working on it thank you thank you that's all i got hey i'll say this Uh, okay i'm gonna uh, here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna leverage the audience against you bc tomorrow night Bo Nickel is fighting on the Contender Series. Ooh, do you want to yes. watch Contender Series? Yes, I do. Yes, I okay. do. All right. Okay. So we can watch Contender Series and have uh, lots and get, of gummies get, that may or may not have Get takeout. Yeah. Get some Thai takeout. What is, Beast, what is uh, Mike Our producer's say? like, set up a cam. Tell you what, you motherfuckers can set up a cam. How about that? <clears throat> How about that? I'm not lifting a finger. Not lifting a finger for that. All right. We'll talk about you that. Want a li- wait, you want to do a li- <laughs> MK live stream of... Uh, the contender series luke is that what you're oh, asking me I, I think they're trying to get they're trying to wring every ounce of water out of this uh weekend <laughs> that we're up there <laughs> or two days anyway uh probably not all right bc glad to have you back for malka for showtime for cbs sports this has been mk we will see you guys live wednesday in studio in the bomb shelter and until then may all of your gains be loyal